It's Blake and Darren's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Good morning, Sandy. How are you? Morning, morning. Good morning, Blake and Aaron. How are you guys doing? Good. What do you have for us on this Tuesday morning? Awesome. So, um, Mr. Winston Hale has retired from the Youth Services Unit. So, congratulations to him um, on his retirement. Mm -hmm. Yes, the Executive Commissioner of the CI Scout Association, Mr. Winston Hale, has retired from the Youth Services Unit after 30 years in the civil service. Wow. He will continue, I know, he will continue his role as the um, Executive Commissioner of the Scout Association. So, congrats to him. What is the Scout Association? Um, I'm guessing like the Girls and Boys Scouts. Okay. Yeah, I've never really heard much about them, to be honest, but... Do they have Boy Scouts here? Um, like I said, I've never heard about them, so... <laughs> well, I am uh, probably not a well-known fact, but I am an Eagle Scout. I am a Girl Scout. But an Eagle Scout is the highest possible rank you can achieve wow. as a Boy Scout. I'm a Girl Scout. They didn't give us the highest possible rank <laughs> to achieve. because you're Did a girl. You, uh, exactly. Speak, That's speak my point. <laughs> Speaking of that, Aaron, there's a whole trend now to allow girls to go over into the Boy Scout. Did you hear about that? Mm-mm. I mean, yeah, I in the U.S. because they're like, oh, you know, a, some girls are more adventurous yeah. and they like the fun yeah. things that the boys get to do. It's a completely different, yeah, because like, well, we did camping trips and stuff like that. Ours was, you know, based around selling cookies sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> and you guys, you, you know, but we the, had the best cookies. You probably earned your cooking merit badge and also your cleaning merit I'm going to go grab the shovel and you can keep <laughs> digging that hole. <laughs> yeah, so I was actually listening to that recently in NPR. There's a lot of little girls who are like, yeah, we're not into that kind of stuff. Yeah, they want to learn how to start fires. Your sewing badge and your home economics. I'm not joking, we did get those. <laughs> there was a sewing badge, but I also, yeah. Oh my gosh. I think there was. I don't know. I definitely entered 4-H. I, I did 4-H club. And oh, you I, did 4-H? I, yeah, I got second place wow. in I made some clothes once, and at the fair, I got second place. Oh, down memory lane. Oh, down go. memory lane. All right. So folks in Florida are potentially going down memory lane, not for a good reason, though. Um, they are looking at uh, subtropical storm Nicole, which is going to be headed to Florida as a Category 1 storm mm-hmm. later on this week after they were hit by Hurricane Ian. So they're kind of like, what? Are you kidding me? Yeah, so, we were thinking about going up there to get some Christmas shopping and stuff done, but I just don't think that, you know, I think that yeah. flights are going to be canceled. So, and hopefully yeah. all, they don't get hit like they did last time, but. I was, uh, I was wondering what a subtropical storm is compared to a tropical storm. Mm-hmm. What is it? Well, Does know? It's, it's all about timing. Um, so, although, have we, we haven't finished. Hold on, hold on. I got to double check this story. All about timing. That is incorrect. <laughs> Subtropical. It's a uh, <laughs> uh, tropical storm. Oh, no. no, no, no tropical no. storm is similar to a tropical storm in intensity, but typically does not have a complete warm core center. Oh, there you go. Like a tropical storm. So it doesn't have that, uh, that circle, that eye, if you will. Mm-hmm. Dr. Google. Mess. It's a big mess out there. It's uh, uncoordinated. It's storm. uncoordinated. Yeah. Huh. But winds are sustained right now at 50. I mean, it's still uh, it's, it's expected to grow to a Category 1. Wow. Which would no longer be subtropical. No. There you go. <laughs> All right. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Google. 
Um, right. So congratulations to Ashley Smith. She's appointed the new executive director for the Cayman Connection Group. Uh, this is the group in the UK who, um, you know, make sure that everybody over there has connections back home. Uh, they do, I think, a lot of social events and so on. So she's taken on the role part-time this month and will hit the ground running full-time uh, in uh, the next week or so. So wonderful news. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Yep. So she's been back and forth between the UK and London, where she graduated in sports management at the, looks like the Lawborough University in 2015. So she works in sports, physical activity, and health sector with partners such as Sports England, Public Health, and Nike. Sounds pretty cool. Sweet. All right. Yeah. All right. Final bit of news this morning. Uh, Jamaica's keeping an eye on their crime situation. Um, after 35 people were murdered there last week. Um, wow. you know, so, yeah. Sometimes last week, last, last week yeah. Um, the total for the year uh, for 2022 is 1,329. That was as, as of November the 5th. Wow. And um, they're saying that last week was one of the bloodiest weeks in the country since the start of the year. And yeah, so there's been an 8% increase in the number of murders uh, so far for 2022. And, you know, one of the interesting things, I don't know if you guys thought about this or not, but we've had an increase, unfortunately, in robberies um, and attempted burglaries and burglaries lately. And remember about a week and probably two weeks ago now, we actually had a boat that came in and the occupants of that boat disappeared. Yeah. So mm. some people are wondering if there's a connection between those two things. Well, we, I mean, over the years, we always seem to see that come in waves. Like, I remember there's like a yeah. big wave of crime. And the next thing you know, you hear from the RCIPS and they've got extra patrols. And Yeah. And at Christmas days. time, I feel like it always goes up. It's, it's like That's the criminals need a bit more extra, like Christmas money or something. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. But, um, yeah, hopefully they can nab whoever it is that has been committing the offenses here. Hopefully they can be on top of them soon. Yeah. All right, Sandy. Thanks a lot. All right, guys. Have a good one. Thank you. Catch Sandy's show right now on Bo. All right. Good morning, folks. <clears throat> Happy Tuesday to everyone. Let's go ahead and get the show started. Let me just see here. All right. We're live on Bobo already. Peppermint, sorrel, ginger, beaver grass, or English. Get it ready. Your morning tea just got hotter. Ooh, honey child. On the cold, hard truth, Bobo 89.1 and Cayman's number one talk show are bringing you morning talk like no one else. Monday Rewind, Impact Wednesdays, Caribbean Connections, and much more. Don't miss a beat with what's happening in the local community. Just keep sipping your tea. What a mess. Here's your host, live and direct from the Cayman Islands, Sandy Hill. Good morning, good morning, rise and shine. Get up out of bed, roll out, jump up, uh, whatever you've got to do, let's get this show on the road today. So happy Tuesday. Special treat for you all coming up a little bit later on. Um, I'm not going to tell you what it is yet, so you got to just keep listening to the program. Don't forget, you can always call in. The number is 936-BOBO. That's 936-2626. That indeed is the telephone number. And do you know that you can also join the show via video link? It's caymanmalroad.com uh, slash talk show. That's a backslash talk show. 
So if you want to jump on where we get to see you and everything, um, you can certainly feel free to do that as well. So who have we got? We've got some special guests in the studio this morning that we're going to be talking to here shortly. We're going to welcome them um, from the uh, Health City Cayman Islands. They're here every single Tuesday <clears throat> for Medical Rundown Tuesdays. So we've got Marshall joining us from North Carolina. Lulu is in the house. Good morning to Lulu. Alba says, buenos dias, Sandy. Como estas? Corazón. She added a little bit extra onto it this morning. I think she's testing my Spanish. Like every day she'll add another word to see how much Sandy remembers. But I, I understand all of that. Thank you very much, Alba. Buenos dias. Um, estoy muy bien. Gracias. Y tú? Uh, Miriam is here. Miriam Pert. Good morning, everyone. Miss Renita, hopefully feeling much, much better. We've got Wee Wee in the house. Miss Anne-Marie Smith is also joining us from Canada this morning. Hey, Anne-Marie. How are you? And we have Barbara says uh, she's wishing everyone a great day. And of course, Ms. Beulah and others are here. So one of the things I always have to remember to do in the morning is to send my links to my WhatsApp group, because I know that some of them sit back, they get their cup of coffee and they kick up their feet and they're like, oh, Sandy's going to send me the show once it's live. So I do. I try to remember every single morning. So listen, we have been talking um, a lot on this program about the importance of health and wellness. And I really quite enjoy, and I know that you guys too, because you always see me and tell me that you're enjoying it, the Medical Rundown uh, Tuesday segments. It's an opportunity for us to learn a lot of different things, um, health and wellness. And one of the fantastic things that Health City Cayman Islands does that I really, really enjoy is that they give um, sort of, you know, uh, NPOs and sometimes even other corporate partners the option or the ability to come on the program and to share, you know, their events or all the wonderful things that their organization is actually doing. And today is no exception to this. We are very, very pleased um, to welcome some representatives in the studio this morning who are going to be telling us about the Cayman Islands Marathon. So, hey, this is fun stuff. We have, first up, let's go ahead and bring in uh, Ms. Rhonda Kelly. She is the race director for Walker's Cayman Islands uh, Marathon. So good morning to Rhonda. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. Thanks. How are you? I'm good. It's so good to see you. Um, so we'll yeah. be talking to Rhonda about all the logistics of the event. She'll give us all the details so that you can um, participate. We also have Dr. Alwyn Almedia, who's their chief orthopedic surgeon at um, Health City. So Dr. Alwyn, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Sandra. I'm fine. How are good. you doing? Yes, I'm good. So nice to see you. Um, and then uh, last but not least, we have Dr. You know, his name is going to be a little bit tricky for me. But let me see if I get it right. Dr. Niranjan Nagaraja. Oh, did I get that right, right Dr. Niranjan? Yeah. Perfect, perfect. You will not need any neurological checkup, for sure. <laughs> the coordination is very good. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I, I find that if you just break it down, it normally works out for you. So Dr. Niranjan is an orthopedics, ortho, orthopedics and joint uh, replacement surgeon at um, Health City Cayman Islands as well. So ooh, um, when I think about those joints, the first one that comes to mind is my knees. We'll have to have a whole other show. <laughs> <laughs> on that and how to protect your knees. But Rhonda, this is an exciting event. I think that you've been working on this um, event for years. It's now in its 20th year. So give yes. us a little bit of a rundown on the um, the Walkers, who's the major sponsor of this event, Marathon. 
Yep, Walkers has been with us. This is their fourth year with us. Um, obviously, they're an awesome partner. Long before they were a sponsor, they were also, um, they brought huge amounts of participants, different runners for teams and for um, for individuals running the full and the half. So they've always been a great partner. Um, Health just, City has sorry, been a great my, partner. My sorry. apologies. Just one second. Um, they're saying that they can't hear you this morning. Okay, just give me one second. Okay. Let me just check a few things. Um, mm -hmm. just give me one second here. I thought I had everything just right, but let me double check. So we've got you good there and there. Hmm. Okay. Um, let's see. Yes, that looks good. All right. Let me check one final setting. There's always one thing that's going to trip you up. All right, let's go ahead and try that again, Rhonda. All right, good morning. Um, yep, I was talking about Walkers um, being such a great partner for us, being with us for four years so far, but um, always giving us lots of runners and teams um, for the event, which has been great. Health City, which I'm thrilled to have be on the show this morning with them. Um, uh, Dr. Almeida for a long time has done a lot of talks with um, runners and helping to educate people on injury prevention, which is so important when you're doing a distance event like this. Um, it's much different from, you know, from a 5K or even a 10K when you're doing distances of 13 miles and 26 miles. So it's much harder, as you mentioned, knees earlier. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it, it's a bit harder on the body and it's important, you know, at, from our perspective to make sure that all of our runners and walkers do it safely. Um, so that's why we're right. so glad to partner with them and they help that happen. Yes, well, um, you know, this event, tell us exactly, it's taking place this coming Sunday? No, it's on the no. 4th of December. Oh, December. Yikes, it's four weeks away, we're already, yes. <laughs> we can't do this weekend. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's four weeks um, from Sunday gone. So, um, okay. so people still have a little time um, to yes. continue their training um, and get prepared. Um, okay. Our focus now is to get people to come out and walk the event. You know, mm -hmm. if you're an avid walker, um, you you can over the next few weeks get yourself, you know, to the point where you could walk safely um, the 13 mm -hmm. miles. Um, and that that's a great way to join the event. And then we always find that when people come out and they they walk the event for the first year, you always hear, oh, I'm coming back. I'm going to do better. I'm going to run this time. I'm going to, you know, and they work on improving themselves. And the half marathon is our biggest event. We usually have between six and eight hundred people in that event. Mm -hmm. um, and that is just it's, it's a very enjoyable event. You have lots of time to finish it because we have a looped course. So you don't have to, to rush to finish. You have actually six and a half hours <laughs> and no one really takes that long. But, okay. um, but yeah, so it, the walking, uh, the half marathon is a really, a really good event. And then the team, which is a relay event where everybody does about six and a half miles. That's another really good event that people could still, you know, gear up for and be ready for in four weeks. Mm -hmm. Right. So of course, you know, the medical experts are here this morning because any event, um, a marathon is still considered an endurance event whether you're running it or walking it or whatever, safety definitely uh, should be your first concern. And, um, you know, physical activity is important, but you want to make sure that you're doing it safely. So what are some of the things then that we should be looking at when it comes to safety uh, and preparation for marathons? We do have a video. Let's go ahead and play that video. Thank you, Ms. Bonnie, for tuning in. Um, let's go ahead and play that video, and then we'll speak to the doctors in the house to see, you know, what their take is on it as well. 
you ready for your big run but have concerns about making the most of your run and avoiding injuries along the way? Let's look at a few tips to help you before the race, on race day, and in post-race recovery. Shoes are an important part of your running arsenal. Shoes designed for running will provide support and a solid foundation when you're running and reduce your risk of injury. Do not buy a new pair of shoes right before your race. Make sure you break them in first. Warming up before your run can help prevent injury and improve performance. Avoid static stretches and instead opt for dynamic stretches such as skipping, high knees, butt kicks, poi soldiers, and walking lunges. During the race, focus on form. A lot of injuries are a result of tired running and sloppy mechanics. Keep your head position level. Keep your knee in line. Make sure your foot strikes under your knee and not in front of it. Shorten your stride. This usually lowers the impact force. Keep your elbows bent at 90 degrees or less. Keep hands loose and below your chest. Avoid leaning too far forward from your hip, which can lead to injury. After the race, when your muscles are warm and supple, remember to cool down with plenty of slow, sustained stretches such as hip flexor stretch, hamstring stretch, piriformis stretch, and lower back stretch. If you're feeling any pain or injury, remember rice, rest, ice, compression, and elevation. Rest and protect the injured or sore area. Ice the injury. This will reduce pain and swelling. Compression or wrapping the injured or sore area with an elastic bandage, such as an ACE wrap, will help decrease swelling. Elevate the injured or sore area as often as you can. We hope these tips will help you prepare your body for the race and prevent injuries. Remember, on race day to drink plenty of water, apply sunscreen, and practice good nutrition for fuel and recovery. Thankfully, in the unfortunate event that you pick up an injury, Health City's orthopedic and sports medicine specialists are here to help, providing affordable, world-class care within your reach. All right, folks. So um, a bit of really, really good advice there. One of the things that uh, I thought that was excellent advice, actually, but one of the things that I um, in my past athletic days <laughs> would have to be very, very cautious of is this desire to want to get like new shoes. Cause you think to yourself, Oh, I'm, I'm running this big race. Let me get some new shoes. So I'll look super good, you know, <laughs> on the racetrack or on the walking track or whatever, but that's not good advice. Right. It, it says don't get new shoes. Yes. No, that's, that's true, Sandra. Uh, uh, in fact, and also the shoe type matters a lot. So each mm. person has a different foot type. So mm -hmm. some are very flexible. All of us are uh, a, a, a range. Our ligaments are a range of flexible to very um, stiff. So mm -hmm. we, we're somewhere in between that range. And so in, uh, identifying if you have a flat foot or any or a cavus foot or a, or a rigid foot uh, is important. And then buying shoes accordingly uh, with the mm -hmm. proper orthotic advice, uh, support or advice would be important as well. And it's important to do this money, many, many months before you go mm -hmm. for a, a long marathon marathon is not a it's it's a, 
um, it, it's uh, it's something that's a serious event, and you mm -hmm. need to train for it, just like you train for anything that's a major event. And it's a it's a lot of strain on the body, so you need to prepare your body to be able to uh, go through those rigors of that uh, uh, through adequate training. I always say at least start three to six months before mm -hmm. uh, 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 the marathon. Don't just come in and you know run uh, a lot i mean a lot of people are quite active and those mm -hmm. people, and then find out how much how long you can actually walk and don't right. increase the mileage by more than 10 percent a week you know slowly build up to a point where you can do 13 miles. yes because even if um you're athletic in other ways so say for example you play tennis or you you know you go to the gym and you weight lift or whatever um, walking a half marathon or walking, running a marathon are very different things, right? So you should practice um, what you intend to do on that day. Is that right? Yes, I, I think that's that's very important. And uh, if you get into it suddenly without, you know, when your body is not used to that strain on a regular basis, then you risk injury. Um, most often the injuries are stress fractures, not not or stress injuries, but not mm -hmm. uh, acute traumatic. I mean, you have acute traumatic injuries as well from a fall or a twisting or anything, but then you also have these uh, chronic injuries that creep in on you, uh, largely because they are repetitive micro traumas that, that mm -hmm. add up and then finally uh, you end up with a really uh, serious issue. Yes. And I thought the bit, <clears throat> my apologies, about the stretching was also a really, really excellent advice. And not just stretching, but the type of stretching actually matters. Yeah, yeah, true. Dynamic stretching is uh, is always known to help a lot. So even if you look at a lot of the gyms nowadays and other things, they encourage you to do dynamic stretches rather than static stretches. Mm -hmm. Even for football players, they encourage dynamic stretching. The toy soldiers they that to stretch the hamstring, calf muscle, and mm -hmm. then uh, do static stretches as part of your you know recovery post uh, exercise. And let's just give people, just in case, might have some listeners out there who are wondering, what the heck is a dynamic versus static stretching? So basically, dynamic stretches are active movements where the joints and muscles go through a full range of motion. So I think the example in the video said, like, maybe skipping rope or, you know, doing certain things that take you through the entire full range. Whereas static, I think most of us are pretty used to the static stretches where you might just take your arm and kind of, you know, move in a particular direction to get that stretch that you hold um, for a little bit. So um, very, very good. And if someone knows that they have an existing problem, so say, for example, myself, I've had an Achilles heel um, injury that was very, very persistent and, you know, just wouldn't budge for like a year or more. Um, finally, shockwave therapy assisted it to get to a point where I don't feel it every single day. But I, of course, you have to know your body, right? So I know that that's an existing situation for me. So what are your recommendations for people who've had you know, a previous injury of any sort. Um. Uh, yeah, it's important to know what your injury is and what your body is capable of. And mm -hmm. obviously, you need to um, uh, have that in your mind if you're training so that you can make sure that you protect yourself adequately, maybe with a compression uh, you know, bandage or, um, uh, or, or, a, or and, you, and you can um, 
work on your stride and things like that. Like, for example, someone who has a knee injury, uh, you want to avoid any twisting, you could use a compression sleeve and 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 run in a, a with, with your knees, you know, in front mm -hmm. and strike right under your under your heel, uh, under your uh, knee, uh, stuff like that. So some techniques you could work on to prevent any injuries. Um, mm -hmm. For people who have tender Achilles issues, stretching is very important because mm -hmm. the calf muscles are very, very powerful muscle. It's the anti-gravity muscle yes. that actually powers you off and it's the main running muscle. Um, so stretching that uh, uh, adequately is important as, as mm -hmm. well as your hamstrings. Um, yes. And I must say that I was, um, that's exactly where my Achilles issue stems from is over, um, you know, sort of over tight um, calf muscle. And I was really surprised to hear that the first time when I went to the podiatrist, he was the one who said to me, mm, I can see exactly what the problem is without even doing a whole lot of examination. I mean, he did that, but just to, you know, he could look at me mechanically and say that, uh, yeah, those calf muscles that everybody thinks is great. And you know, people are like, oh, you have such wonderful calf muscles. He's like, if you're not stretching them and stretching the attached, I guess, ligaments, whatever else is attached to them that then goes into the, the Achilles area and the ankle, you're going to have issues. And my range of motion, um, you know, because that calf muscle is overly tight was very, very limited. Um, so again, it's important to sort of know these things and know what stretches you need to do and being consistent about doing them as well is the difficult part. Sure. Yes, true. Yeah. So um, Dr. Niranjan, um, you know, do jump in the conversation anytime that you would like as well. So uh, knee injuries is sort of one of those things that I feel like a lot of people, um, you know, joint replacement is, is uh, people having to do it younger. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure if that's a great thing, but it does give people a much better quality of life as well. So tell us a little bit about what you see from sports injuries, uh, people who are running marathons. What's the most, um, you know, sort of um, popular joint replacement surgery that you see and what areas do people have the most issues with? Um, see, uh, the people who run marathon, there is a common misconception mm -hmm. that uh, they will get uh, knee arthritis at a younger age group if they keep running marathons. Uh, I just want to uh, clarify that that is not true. Uh, in fact, the benefits of running outweighs the risk of uh, injuries. Mm -hmm. uh, the key is uh, proper preparation and uh, running the right way and setting your goals, uh, mm -hmm. keeping in mind how is your preparation and uh, how much you can do. Based on that, you have to set your goals. Uh, so if we set our goals properly, then uh, we, we will not be looking at any joint replacement, especially with uh, running. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, if they don't run and if they put on a lot of weight and uh, that can cause early arthritis, then uh, mm -hmm. being active. Wow. So um, being active is important. <clears throat> it's just a matter of ensuring that you're prepared for the activity that you're going to be participating in. So good morning to uh, Felicia joining us this morning. Miss Bonnie's here from East End. Uh, we have Damaris, who's also watching from New York City. Um, Morna, good morning to you. Tommy, so good to see you. And of course, Alice is also here. Um, Rhonda, is there anything particular that we should know about running a marathon in the Cayman Islands? So is it different than running one in New York or Miami or elsewhere? What are some of the, uh, you know, expectations for running one here? Well, I mean, I think the obvious one is obviously we're hot. Yes. It's hot here. It's warm. It's humid. Um, I think 
the the thing about that is that we know it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when Boston has a heat wave, they're all in shock. We know right. it's going to be hot. So we prepare for that. And we make sure that we have water stops every mile. We have water and Gatorade every mile. Um, you know, we have, you know, lots of support on the course to make sure that if anybody, um, you know, is getting dehydrated, we, you know, we can deal with that. Um, we have a full medical crew and, you know, Health City is a big part of that at the finish line, um, making sure that when people finish, they are getting hydrated, they are getting checked if they're feeling, you know, funny or or anything, um, you know, support from HSA and, you know, all of those people so that we make sure that everybody is safe on the course. It's a big deal for us. Um, Red Cross is all along the course because there's all sorts of things when you're doing the distance running that are that are concerns, um, you know, things like chafing and rubbing, you know, and, and, you know, the worst thing that I think people can do, you know, in addition to wearing new shoes for a race, you know, you, you have no idea how many people will actually go out and buy a new pair of shoes for the race. It's something that people do. And it is the worst thing. Wear the oldest pair that you've been training in for the, for all that time. Keep, keep consistent and, you know, wear, wear what you're used to wearing. Obviously you can wear the, the marathon shirt. It's a running shirt, but wear everything else that you're used to run to wearing when you go out there, um, the same sports bra and all of those things. So, um, so that you're not surprised by things, you know, train how you're going to run, eat the same time when you're going to, when you're going to run, you know, if you're, you know, the race is starting at 5 a.m., do a couple training runs at 5 a.m., eat at 4, eat at 3.30, or, you know, do the same things. Do not shock your system because you're running the, on race day and do something totally different because you'll, you'll not be prepared for it. So right. that's the best right. advice I can give. I mean, I've done, I've done a full marathon. I'll never do another one, <laughs> but I did it so that I could say I did it. Um, oh you know, and understand yeah. what all of our, our runners go through and the training and all of that. And that's the thing. I mean, the, you know, it's the, a full marathon, a half marathon, you know, mm-hmm. the training is the work, the race is the reward. You know, getting out there and being able to enjoy race day and get your medal and and be out there with all those people running. It's it's you know, it's a high. It's 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 a fantastic morning. Um, but the work hard work is that training leading up to that to that actual race day. Yes. So one of the tips here um, that I found for beginning marathon runners <clears throat> is to aim to build your weekly mileage up to 50 miles over um, the four months leading up to the race. And then <clears throat> break that down, my apologies, at three to five runs per week. And then the vast majority of these runs should be done at a relaxed pace so that you can actually um, carry on a conversation while you're running. So there are tons of really, really excellent tips if you've never ran a marathon before. Now, Rhonda, you did it. Congratulations. When did you actually run your marathon? The year that I turned 50, which was oh six years God. ago. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, and I'm a slow and I'm not a runner, you know, I think I kind of think I I am a very slow runner. I I did a run walk. um, So it took me a while, but I did it safely and run walking worked for me. I didn't have any issues with my knees. I didn't have any, you know, any other issues because I, I did that. I took my time Mm -hmm. and I did the distance. And that's what I would say to everybody. If you're training Mm -hmm. now, do the distance. It's all great to say, Oh, I go out and run three miles every day. Three miles and 13 miles are very different. So mm-hmm. do the distance, get to the point where you're doing 10 or 11 miles before you do a half marathon mm-hmm. um, and put that distance. And that's the best advice. It does speed, all of those other things don't matter as much as doing the actual distance because that's what's going to 
that's what's going to um, to actually affect you when you get out on the road that day. You know, oh my gosh, I'm used to doing five miles every day. And when you get up to eight or nine, you're like, my body is not happy with me right now. Yes. All right. So Dr. Alwyn um, is an extremely busy man, as all the physicians are at um, Health City, but he does have some patients that are expecting to see him uh, this morning. So Dr. Alwyn, uh, just any final words um, you know, for people who are endurance athletes or who want to, you might not even be an endurance athlete, but, you know, from an orthopedic perspective, what's your best advice that you can give them uh, leading up to um, big events such as a marathon? Um, my, uh, I think my biggest advice would be to train adequately. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, always, uh, uh, I think it's, uh, I, I have seen, in fact, I've, we've had a few patients, Dr. Niranjan and myself, Sorry, over the years, mm-hmm. where uh, where uh, you know, kind of a weekend warriors who went mm-hmm. into uh, an event like not just not just this, even the um, the five k or other things, and and mm-hmm. then realized that they ended up with a compartment syndrome or some other kind of issue. So it became, uh, and then they had serious issues that needed to um, you know, and mm-hmm. sometimes be addressed with surgery. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so it's important to uh, to um, uh, to train properly for these events. Mm-hmm. Don't take it lightly. It's 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 a walk or a run, yes, but you need to uh, prepare yourself adequately for it. Um, and then, um, yeah, if you have some niggling issues going on, don't ignore them. Get them checked out before you uh, go for an event like this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, shoes uh, are important and stretches are important. These, mm-hmm. I think, back around, I said, uh, don't don't buy a new pair of shoes. Always work them in. And when you train, also one of the things is most of the marathons are run on um, asphalt, and and mm-hmm. and most of the people I see, you know, runners or joggers in the morning, they're running on side of the road, right? So. Mm-hmm. Uh, have banking kind of uh, going you know in a, this one so you're you're always kind of running at an angle so your foot is not you know uh, yes. straight on the ground so the, keep be mindful of those things as well Walk, mm-hmm. on level surfaces when you train and uh, mm-hmm. uh, there are a host of things but uh, I would say these would be the key points Right. Okay. All right. Well, Dr. Alwyn, we'll um, let you leave. I thank you so much again for joining us this morning. We'll continue the conversation with Dr. Naranjan and with Kelly, uh, Rhonda Kelly from Kelly's Holdings as well. So please enjoy your day, Dr. Alwyn. Thank you. Thank you, Sandra. And apologies for having to be. No, it's Patients are calling. <laughs> so he is uh, a very, very uh, busy man. Like I said, all of the physicians, we appreciate them taking the time every Tuesday normally to join us as part of um, the Health City Rundown segment. So um, Rhonda, I thought that was something that he just mentioned there that was actually quite important is the road surface uh, probably does matter. You know, I imagine that it's probably not a bad idea to go out and kind of see the course. So can you tell us where it begins and where it ends? Yeah, we actually had a new start line last year, but it's a looped mm-hmm. course, so we can move along the actual course. Um, mm-hmm. So we and we're doing that again. We're starting in front of Hard Rock, um, right there. It's a great area down the back there. We have lots of space for people to gather and and to have all the the finished stuff. So we start at Hard Rock. You go through South Sound, you go all the way down. You go, you take the little side road down by where old where Dirty Reeds was. I think people still know 
I don't know if people still know where that is, but the little side road that takes you down to Old Prospect Road, you go down to the end there, turn around by Garden of Reflections, and then come back up. And then instead of going through South Sound, you come up Walker's Road, and then you come down, turn left on Algon in front of the police station, and loop around Fort Street and head right back up to Hard Rock. So it's a looped course. One loop is, is the half marathon, and then two loops is the full. So you do two loops if you're doing the full. Right. Very good. And so again, go out and you know, just have a look at the area. Um, hopefully yeah. there's no major, you know, road bumps literally in the way. Um, yeah. But just just get an idea for running on different surfaces. Can I imagine that some people might do indoor training um, for an event like this. They might do stuff on the treadmill. And yeah. so, of course, the surface uh, really can make a difference. So I would again, highly recommend that. Yeah. On a Sunday yeah. morning, you know, on a Sunday morning, which is the morning that we do the race, go go and run along, you know, along the route, do do part of the route, do the whole mm -hmm. route, do, um, you know, do a portion of it, because it's definitely helpful to kind of get familiar mm -hmm. with where you're going to be going on that morning and make you feel more comfortable. I mean, people get nervous when they're going to do something like this, especially if it's your first time. So it always yeah. helps to, mm -hmm. to go out and get yourself familiar with, with where you're going to be going. But I can tell you for anyone who's considering doing the race that you know I, I I'm telling you I I out there every year and oh it's um it is really an it's an emotional morning we have people running for people who have passed away for various you know for cancer and for you know all sorts mm -hmm. of you know we have people running for the crisis center Alex Panton Foundation all sorts of of mm -hmm. charities and for some of them it's very emotional because that is what they've decided to do is to run for someone or in honor mm -hmm. of someone um so it's an emotional morning people are doing something they've never done before right, um, right. the medals are really gorgeous for our 20th year this year so oh we're excited God. about those so so, um, yeah, so I, I think, you know, I would encourage anybody, if you're thinking about doing it, you'll, you won't regret it. You definitely won't regret coming out and, and doing something you've never done before. Wow. Awesome. So how many do you anticipated number of uh, participants? Um, we have right now, um, our numbers are looking like we'll probably have close to what we've had overall about 1400 across the three events. Mm -hmm. So we have the four person relay, um, which is like I said, about six and a half miles each. Um, and then we have the full marathon and the half marathon. We also have the kids fun run, which is um, later in the morning and it's about a half a mile and it's free for all primary school children. And that is a really fun event. We, we've already got 100 registered for that. So we expect to have usually what we have is between 250 and 300 kids out there on the morning wow. doing that half mile. Yeah, so that, mm -hmm. that's a really fun event as well later in the morning. Mm -hmm. So we have all, all four of those events. So between yeah, those, we'll yeah. probably have about 1,800 or so involved in the race. So you're going to be very busy. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's a fun um, morning. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Naranjan um, is also here with us, folks. If you're just joining in, 936-2626. Don't forget that he's an orthopedics and joint replacement surgeon. So I suppose if you have any questions for him, um, he is here. Feel free to give us a call. Um, Dr. Naranjan, not too long ago, I went with someone overseas. Well, it's been a couple of years now, actually. Time just flies. Um, and they were, they'd had knee replacement surgery and both knees. And there was one that was giving them a bit of uh, trouble. And um, as a bit of an accolade to Health City, I was there in uh, Fort Lauderdale area speaking to this renowned um, orthopedic surgeon. And he said, oh, you guys are from the Cayman Islands. He said, gosh, I hardly see anyone from the Cayman Islands anymore after Health City was built. <laughs> so he said he used to have a lot of patients, he used to come here 
and do consults. And then they would refer patients over there for surgery. And he's like, you know, I hardly see anyone from Cayman anymore because you guys have experts right there at Health City. So I thought it was kind of an interesting um, comment, but certainly speaks um, volumes to the service that you guys are offering at Health City. Uh, yes, uh, that's a good thing to know. Uh, overall, yes. the number of patients who are going out of Cayman Islands have come down drastically uh, mm -hmm. since last uh, 78 years. Yes, um, absolutely. Uh, to come back to the marathon uh, topic, I would like to share some uh, suggestions for the mm -hmm. runners. Um, I don't run full marathons, but I I keep running half marathons. So mm -hmm. I registered this time also. This will be the, my fourth time. Okay, very uh, good. And... Uh, See, the, uh, most of the injuries happen uh, because of repetitive stress injuries. Mm -hmm. So the force is falling at the same point again and again, and that is mm -hmm. causing the injuries. Uh, one of the uh, ways by which you can avoid uh, such repetitive stress injuries is by using two different pair of shoes. So if you are using the same pair of shoes again and again, um, uh, the impacts will be at the same point. So if you have mm -hmm. two pairs or three pairs of shoes, and for different uh, uh, days of running, use different shoes. Uh, uh, then the, we can change the impact point by a few millimeters here and there. Mm -hmm. uh, that can uh, prevent the injuries. Um, in addition to this, uh, hydration is the key. Mm -hmm. So if you hydrate well, the uh, uh, muscle cramps, uh, all those things will not be there and they will uh, prevent uh, injuries. Mm -hmm. So hydration, uh, hydration and hydration, uh, the more you hydrate, the better uh, for the runner. Uh, for 5K, 10K, it may not matter, but beyond 10K mm -hmm. runs, uh, hydration and supplementation of uh, um, nutrients and uh, salts and minerals, it becomes very important. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, uh, adequate preparation plus uh, it, it's more of a mental versus uh, it's more of a mental game rather than just uh, uh, running physically. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. Most of the marathon runners, half marathon runners, they are mentally very strong and they they push through the pain. I've seen uh, people, uh, not not just uh, someone who is a fresher, even elite athletes who mm -hmm. run, who come within the top five or top ten of the uh, Cayman Marathon um, competition. They, uh, they have come to me with fractures, fractures of the heel. They have come to me with uh, uh, injuries to the hamstrings, low back, mm -hmm. uh, calf muscle injury. Um, in, uh, in men, uh, 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 joggers nipple, uh, they, they get uh, uh, burning in the nipple area because of the repeated friction of the shirts. Mm -hmm. uh, so these are some of the common things which we notice. Um, and very many people... Uh, uh, do get uh, abdominal cramps um, uh, while running um, and uh, maybe post-running also. Uh, so all these things can be uh, significantly reduced by adequate training, mm -hmm. uh, proper shoes, um, and uh, hydration. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so hydration is really, really critical. Of course, people can, I suppose, bring their own hydration packs or belts, but the organizers will have, as Rhonda said earlier, um, water stations. Every mile, you said, Rhonda? Yes, every mile, water and Gatorade. Water and Gatorade um, available to you. Uh, fueling, again, there's a phenomenon that many uh, marathon runners experience called hitting the wall or boinking. And, of course, that's where, um, you know, 
they say around the 20 mile mark uh, that that can oftentimes happen for the longer distances. So uh, primary source of energy during the marathon, uh, make sure that you, you know, eat properly as, as Rhonda said earlier beforehand, because then you're going to be using that fuel that you might've had available to you. Um, you know, you're going to burn right through that to be quite honest. So consumption during the race, can, can you, can, do people normally consume anything during the race? Yeah. If they're doing a long distance, there are um, bananas and, you know, fruit and all of that um, along, along the route as well. So if they're doing the longer distance, typically a half marathon, probably not. Um, yeah. probably at the end, but a full marathoner will need some fuel yeah. um, during that race. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, the main energy comes from the people who cheer us up. Uh, on the <laughs> yeah. Road. So yeah, let's, let's talk about who, that because yeah, um, <laughs> yes, even, even if you're not going to run, you can still come out. Yeah. We would love you all to come and support uh, all the runners and uh, that will uh, make us a little bit extra effort uh, yeah. at that time. Yeah, so we have a we have a contest. Um, Cayman Airways is the sponsor of our um, uh, water stop challenge, mm -hmm. and they give free tickets to the best water stop voted on by the runners. So we take votes at the end of the race from all the runners as to who was their favorite water stop, and we do that because obviously we're not a Boston, so we're not going to have people lining the streets the entire way. So mm -hmm. we really encourage our water stops to kind of have a theme, have music. Um, make it a little bit more fun for runners when they're crossing you and to make sure that you cheer. Um, we do have groups of people in South Sound and, and so forth. We don't want anybody to drive on the course, but you can get to different spots on the course without actually driving on the course um, to find spots where you can go out and cheer for people. They have trained for months and months and months. And, um, you know, they really do appreciate your your cheering and your support along the route. So that that's another highlight to the morning. And our water stops are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I was just uh, reading here about some things during the race, which we've heard already, hydrate properly, eating a simple high carb breakfast, things like bagels, oatmeal, bars, and fruit um, all work really, really well. Uh, maybe having a little bit of Vaseline on hand or body glide if you need it for those chafing areas, as Rhonda mentioned earlier. And of course, if you've been practicing, you probably will know um, where you tend to chafe. Nothing new, no new shoes, shorts, or anything else. Of course, they'll give you the t-shirt for the event. But that's it. <clears throat> Getting to the starting line early. Um, things like using the bathroom beforehand. <laughs> Sometimes you might be so excited um, that you forget about these little things. Um, so not overdressing, dressing for the temperature for this time of year and the time of day. It starts pretty early. So five o'clock in the morning shouldn't be too warm, but people can go right up until what time, Rhonda? So the official course closes at 1130. So um, you have six and a half hours. Um, we've never really pulled anybody off the course, um, right. but the police start hollering at us to clear the road um, yeah. and to get out of there. So we, we do try and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll provide support. You know, we have had people take a little bit longer and we make sure that they're hydrated and they're safe on the road. Um, we don't abandon anyone. Um, but, you know, majority of people, um, you know, 98% are going to be done within six hours, 6.15, you know, around there anyway. Um, the, the full marathon is not a huge contingent. We have about 100 in that race. So um, that, you know, that one is, um, but it's the, the teams are also doing a full marathon. So um, that group is doing the, the 26 miles, but as a group of four. So um, sometimes they'll take a little bit longer depending on... Um, um you know, what their fitness level is. The half marathons are obviously all done by, you know, four hours, definitely usually within around the three o'clock 
three hour mark. Mm -hmm. um, that's a good time. This year we can welcome people back down to the start yeah. finish line to watch people finish, which yeah. is exciting as well because we haven't been able to do that for the last two years. Um, so people can come down there and watch the finish um, by Hard Rock, cheer people on as they finish. Um, that time about eight o'clock between seven and eight is massive finishes. Um, tons of people finishing the half marathon. Um, so that's a good time to come down and, and watch and enjoy the enjoy um, just watching the emotions of people as they finish. Wonderful. So some more tips during the race, start slowly. Uh, they say that, you know, there's a lot of adrenaline, um, but one of the rookie mistakes is starting too fast. Um, it says that there's going to be plenty of miles over which to pick up the pace if you're feeling great. And also don't blaze by the aid stations or try to drink from a cup while running full blast. That sounds like pretty good advice, actually. And to yeah. actually practice drinking while running before race day. Huh. I really yeah. thought that that's something you should do, but that requires coordination, right? Of a couple of different things. So. Yeah. I mean, just take a couple walking steps through those aid stations. Um, yeah. yeah. It, it's hot. It's humid. Um, we have had our, our fair share of, of, you know, of mm -hmm. people who have been dehydrated and um, it's not pretty. Um, but like I said, we work hard to keep everybody safe, but that is a huge thing. And I mean, it, it's just, yeah. And your, your hydration doesn't begin during the race. Your hydration begins the week of days before uh -huh. making sure that you're continuously hydrated so that when you come out there, I mean, bathrooms are a huge thing in, in marathons. Everybody's going to, because everybody should be very, very hydrated. So at right, the beginning right. of the race, those busy bathrooms are going to be at the start finish. They're going to be at mile one, mile two, because people are very hydrated. As you get further into the race, the bathrooms are, you know, used less, but hopefully they're hydrated so they are using those first few bathrooms because mm -hmm. their bodies are very hydrated so yeah um, and yeah. we provide bath there's bathrooms every more than every two miles along the mm -hmm. course and then we have our big trailer um bathroom trailer at the start finish line as well mm -hmm. once uh, they start noticing uh, dry lips dry tongue that means they are already uh, dehydrated so don't allow to uh, your body to reach to that point. So hydration mm -hmm. in the first uh, 10K of the uh, marathon run is very important. Uh, then uh, drinking water after 20K when you're already dehydrated. Mm -hmm. uh, so that'll, that is also an important thing. Yes. And uh, is it a good idea to know where your friends will be? Um, a lot, like if they said, okay, we're going to come out and support you. Should they try to tell you in advance which marker they're going to be at or perhaps close to which station? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple spots. So the best spots, obviously, because South Sound, we, we try and keep all traffic off South Sound. It's a narrow mm -hmm. road. We don't want anybody driving down there. But if you come Old Crew Road, you can mm -hmm. park at the end of Old Crew Road and walk right onto the course. So then you're not, you know, you're not driving anywhere on the course. Old Crew Road is a great location. The end of Old Prospect is the turnaround. And it is also the chip exchange. So we have a lot of activity happening there, but you can walk up there, park at Ocean Club or one of those areas and walk up there. Um, the other area is um, Fairbanks. You can come up by John Gray, park mm -hmm. right there because people, they go through Hines Way and they come across there. So you mm -hmm. can drive up to there and you can be right there in that little area to cheer people on. So there are different areas also. If you come down Elgin, you can go by the police station and catch people mm -hmm. when they're kind of on that last last portion. But all really good spots to watch people um, without actually driving on the course, which is something that we really, really 
beg people not to do because it, it's mm -hmm. it, it's challenging enough out there with regular traffic and to have other people mm -hmm. out there just coming out for the races it makes it more challenging yes absolutely so uh, this one i thought was funny in terms of tips it says enjoy the energy of the spectators however ignore the guy with the box of chocolate donuts <laughs> <laughs> He might be trying to be nice, but chocolate glazed donuts at mile 18 is simply not a good idea. That is so funny. <laughs> yeah, might not be, yes. Yes. Um, and then post um, the race, what are some recommendations then to do after you have uh, completed the race? Uh, it is same like the pre-race. You mm -hmm. need to rest. You need to hydrate yourself well. You mm -hmm. need to provide uh, nutrition to the body. Uh, uh, good stretches. Um, so all these things uh, have to be followed. Yes. Um, it needs, body needs after a half marathon or a full marathon, body needs few days of uh, uh, recovery. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, don't jump into uh, some exercises, gym or anything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, just listen to the body and uh, go by that and that should be good. Mm -hmm. um, going to the pool or sea will also relax the muscles a lot. Um, even that can be done. Yes, getting a massage, perhaps. <laughs> yes, we have. Um, we're we're also able to bring that back this year. Our oh, post race nice. massages. So Kim and Physio will be manning that tent, and they will have a big tent with lots of their massage therapists helping people. Calves are a thing. I mean, every time I've gone into that tent, people are having their calves massaged because that is mm -hmm. where they're, you know. So they're getting they do nice, um, you know, post race massages for for people, and that that's really great. And people are going to be thrilled to have that back this year as well. Wonderful. So Rhonda, your biggest sponsor is obviously Walkers. Do you want to give a shout out to some of your other sponsors who make this oh, event um, possible? <laughs> Sorry. Well, the ministry, the Ministry of Sports is yeah. um, is one of our, you know, one of our 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 sponsors for the Kids Fun Run. The Milo Kids Fun Run is, um, you know, is sponsored by Milo, and we've had a new sponsor come on this year for that, which is Kids Ability. Um, so we have three sponsors for the Kids Fun Run, which help make it free for all kids. Um, the Department of Tourism, huge sponsor. Walker's obviously our title sponsor. Um, Britt Kay is a, is a great supporter. Health City, of course, um, we're thrilled to have them every year. Um, and, you know, they do great things like this, which also, you know, help support those. Mykonos has sponsored our shirts, which are really cool this year. We've done a little bit of a, a different shirt with a little bit of, um, um, kind of style to it. So we hope people will like our shirts. We're going to reveal them soon. And then of course our hydration people, flowers, bottle, water, Gatorade, and WADA, all um, sponsors. Cayman Airways for our um, water stop challenge, which I mentioned earlier. Cayman National has joined us back again, which we're thrilled to have. Um, and then Kirk Freeport is providing prizes for those top runners um, in the full, um, full marathon with Tag Cure watches. Compass Media is our sponsor as well. Logic. Um, and then we have Fast Signs, uh, Massive, Net Clues, Mike's Quaker, Kim and Physio, of course, that I mentioned earlier, Cost You Less, K Brew, which provides those nice cold beers at the finish, which is a thrill for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, Smoothie King, McAlpine, Hopscotch, which helps us with our sound at the finish so we can have that music blaring when you stop, when you pass the finish line, Explore and Marshall's Rent-A-Car. So I think I got them all there. Hopefully I did. <laughs> Thank you so much. And of course, um, to anyone who heard the K-Brew and kind of perked up, she did say after the race. After the race, Not yes. before and not during. <laughs> <laughs> so just in after. case you're like, oh, that's an incentive, a nice cold beer. Beer um, is a good hydrator. It's a lot of electrolytes. 
All right. Okay. Yes. Good morning yes. to Charlene. Ms. Dean is here. Roberto says, what website do I go to to sign up and uh, get more information on the marathon? Cayman Islands Marathon. You can find everything on that website, how to register, how to volunteer, kids fun run, um, all our sponsor information, um, the virtual. We also have a virtual event that we're doing in partnership with Department of Tourism. So oh. all of that information is on caymanislandsmarathon.com. And tell us a little bit about the virtual event. How does that work? So I can just stay home and, and do the race? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's really for people who don't live here. So not for the in-person race, but we saw okay. some people. We did that for the last couple of years. We were asked to yes. keep it on because people in Europe um, and they get a medal. Uh, they have to log. They have to register that they they did it, register their time, mm-hmm. sign into the the system that they that they did it virtually, and they'll get a shirt. And you know they can register just like regular, but there's a link on the website, and they can they can also win a trip when they register. We have the winners coming this year that won from last year, mm-hmm. um, so that's a really um, cool connection. They can win a trip if they register for the virtual, and then they can get to come and run it in person. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so check that out. Again, I'm just having a quick look at the website. Lots of useful information. There is a four-person relay as well. Um, so, you know, if you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I can't quite do a marathon, but maybe you can do one quarter of that. Get yeah. together with a team of individuals and um, do that. So that sounds pretty cool. That was yeah. introduced uh, back in 2011. So, folks, the Cayman Islands Marathon uh, in its 20th year. Wow, that went by pretty quickly. Um, one of the biggest, I mean, this, I think this is the biggest racing event for the year. It, it is the biggest yeah. running event. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all runners, all, uh, wannabe runners, as long as you prepared, even if you don't want to run, but you want to walk through the half marathon or whatever portion of it, you know, get your friends together and make it a fun event. Uh, lots yeah. of corporate sponsors on board. Kelly Holdings is organizing all of it. So, I'm sure it will be very well organized. And again, go to caymanislandsmarathon.com for additional information uh, about how to register and all the different categories that they have. They've got photos up on the website so that you can see you know, what people have done um, from past events and so forth as well. Yeah. Good. And you've got lots of prizes, I'm sure. Yeah, um, not as many as we'd like. Um, we don't do cash prizes. Um, right. We, you know, we will... You know, eventually maybe that's the way we go. Right now we're a destination run, so um, so that's that's the way that that we market it. Um, I will also say we are a Boston qualifier. We are an official course. Um, we're having our course recertified. It's recertified every five years. So um, this weekend, this coming weekend, we'll have a, a course certifier here on island to certify the course. Oh, wow. um, but yeah, we've had many people. Um, Derek Haynes um, comes to mind right off top of my head that have qualified for Boston through our race. So we are a Boston qualifier as well. And I noticed that there's two separate forms for um, residents and then for visitors. What's the difference between the two in case? It's just the address information okay. and stuff. The prices are the prices are the same. Mm-hmm. It's very affordable um, to join the marathon as well. I was just having a look at that. Um, basically starting at 50 bucks and goes up a little bit from there. Uh, they've got yeah. the CUC high school challenge as well for different participants um, to get involved in. So good. Yes, yes. wonderful. All right, well, thank you so much, you. Rhonda from Rhonda, um, from Rhonda, Rhonda from <laughs> Kelly, Kelly Holdings and Dr. Naranjan from um, Health City Cayman Islands joined us this morning. Thanks to both of you and Dr. Alwyn. Uh, Almeida also joined us, but he had to go off to deal with um, some of his patience as well. So thank you both for joining us today and good luck 
Dr. Uh, Dr. Naranjan, you said that you're going to be running. Yes. So um, Thank you. Good, good luck to you. Thank you. Great. Thank you very much, Sandy. Have a good day. All right, guys. Have a fantastic day. Bye. All right, folks. So again, some great advice there. If you're interested, um, please do be safe and check that out. Let's go ahead and take a quick commercial break, and then we will switch things up just a tad and come back and talk about a few things. Now, today is actually a special day, and I want to see how many of you have been putting on your thinking cap thinking, what special day is today? Because you know we love to give away a prize here on the program, so we've got prizes coming up. Have you been paying attention? Mm, let's see. Recover Personal Injury Attorneys, helping injured people get what they deserve. Did you know that insurance companies have lawyers that represent their interests? Before signing and accepting any settlement, know your rights. Call us today for a free consultation at 924-9999. That's 924-9999. Recover. Your personal injury attorneys are on standby to assist. In the mornings, no one wants to miss listening to the cold hard truth or reading CMR. Cayman's number one news platform has made your morning commute fun again. Pass this time with the cold hard truth on weekdays from 7.30 a.m. Talk radio that's engaging, entertaining, and enlightening. But be careful. Some mornings it's so hot you might run into a bit of trouble. Wonderland Christmas trees are here. It's official. It's Cayman's most wonderful time of the year. Don't delay or all the elves will give the trees away. Stop by our Christmas tree lot to select from the finest balsam fir trees, starting at $100 for 5 to 6 feet. Christmas lot is located right next to Costulus in Governor Square. Selected from the best farms in Canada, your tree has been grown with love and care by all our elves for many years. Wonderland Christmas trees is owned and operated by experienced elves with over 6 years of industry experience. Don't trust your Christmas tree needs to anyone else. And remember, for every tree you purchase, Wonderland Christmas trees makes a donation to feed our future and Meals on Wheels. Visit wonderlandtrees.ky or find us on Facebook to place your order today. Christmas tree sales going on now. Don't delay. Wonderland Christmas trees, your best choice for Christmas. Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas. Crichton Properties is one of Cayman's most trusted real estate companies for over 50 years. We offer a diverse selection of property listings and help our clients navigate the world of buying or selling their properties with confidence. Crichton is a name you can trust with our excellent customer service and family-friendly touch. Contact us today to list your home, land, or condo for sale by calling 949-5250 or email info at crichtonproperties.com. Crichton Properties, a trusted Cereba member. Tis the season to advertise your business's holiday specials and sales events. Don't miss out on Cayman's number one social media, talk show, and website platforms to spread your message to thousands of people locally and abroad. Christmas dining and entertainment venues? Call us today. Retail shopping for special friends and family? Call us today. Christmas rentals and accommodations? Call us today. Cayman's number one news platform is the best way to reach the largest available audience, resulting in more sales for your business. Contact CMR today at sales at caymanmarlroad.com or 324-1612. All right, folks, welcome back to the program. Good morning. It is Tuesday morning, and guess what? 
We have trivia this morning. Who's ready for some trivia questions? So this one might be easy. I'm not really sure. But what is the significance of today for the Cayman Islands? Hmm. Let me see. We've got gift certificates. And let me, let me, I got my little, my little stash here. Hold on. Let me grab my little um, goodie stash. I've been ordering some, some giveaways uh, for Christmas and stuff as well. So we're kind of getting closer to doing all of that good stuff. So I have a little, this is so cute. I've been looking all over for these, actually. There are certain things in life that are disappearing quickly. And um, traditional radio happens to be one of them. I didn't have a radio in my house for a long time. And then I think it was last year, uh, Marlon purchased one of these things. That's like the, the traditional vinyl um, player. So you put your little vinyl record on it. It does CDs and it has a radio toner in it. So that was the first time I've seen a radio in my house in a really long time. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And so we are giving away today. I don't know if you guys can see it, but it is a little miniature AM FM radio and it comes with the little headsets. So this is perfect because, you know, sometimes you're on the go, you're listening right now in your car. Maybe you get to work and they have every single website in the world blocked. So you can't listen on YouTube, you don't have Facebook access. So this is kind of cool. You just put this in your pocket. Let me show you guys. Um, it literally fits in the palm of your hand. It's so tiny. So you can just put that in your pocket. Um, you know, it has a clip on it. So you can clip it to your belt if you want. And then it comes with the little headphones as well. Look at that. Ta -da. Beautiful. That you can just plug it in and listen to. And I think that it has a little port if you're kind of fancy. And you know um, about speakers and stuff, you can plug it into an external speaker as well if you have any of those. So listen, the question is, get yourself this nice portable AM FM radio. Um, what significance does today have for the Cayman Islands? Mm -hmm. 936-BOBO is the telephone number. 936-BOBO is the telephone number. <laughs> can see y'all are thinking hard. First caller up. Good morning, caller. Happy Tuesday. Morning, Sandy. How are you? I'm good, honey. How are you? Good, good. You have a answer yet? No. I think everybody's thinking about it. Um, like, hmm. um, is it when the Cayman Islands Constitution came into effect? No, that's not it. No? Good, good guess, but no, that's not it. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right, okay. Bye-bye. All right, folks. Get your thinking caps on. You've got to call in because I know some of y'all love to just sit back. Uh, this is an active show. We'd like for you to participate. 936-BOBO-936-2626 is a telephone number. Win yourself a portable radio. Da, 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 da. Let's see. Anybody else going to give it a give it a try? Um, what significance is the question does today have for the Cayman Islands? So that was a pretty good first guess, I think. Um, but that's not it. Hmm. Let me see. Again, 936-2626 is the telephone number. So let me see if anybody else is going to. We got a call in. Um, hmm. 
you've got to call in and um, and give it a guess. So Constitution, no, but it is a pretty big day. You got to think now. Everybody's like, what significance does today play? Uh-huh. Uh, this, this sounds like, this seems like it's tougher than maybe I thought. So Gabby says, what was the question? She was half awake. Um, you got yourself a gift certificate to some of her food vendors. I'm going through my little goodie bag right now. Taking out some stuff. So what significance does um, today play in the histories or historical significance today? Yeah. Right here in the Cayman Islands. Mm -hmm. Yes. 936. Bobo. Is it the That's the telephone number. We're going to have another guest. Wonderful. Good morning, caller. How are you? Good morning, ma'am. Yes, sir. What's your guess yes, today? It's 90 years since the 1932 hurricane. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. We have a winner. We did it. We did it. Yeah, we did it. So congratulations, but that's absolutely correct. 90 years since the 1932 hurricane. Um. I, I recognize that voice. So I will be in contact with your um, gift certificate. And your Thank you very much. All right, honey. Caller, good morning. We just had a winner, but I'm curious to know, what's your guess? Um, general election, Oh, gosh, no. That's not it. Good guess, but that's not it. It's actually okay. 90 years since the 1932 storm hit Cayman Brock. Oh, wow, yes. Yes. Okay. Yep. Thank you so much, Carla. All right, thank you. So um, that's quite a significant day in the history of the Cayman Islands. I know a lot of us were not alive then. We have no recollection or memories. Uh, what would What we know about the storm has been passed down through our ancestors. So our parents, perhaps, depending on how old you are, and our grandparents may have some recollection of um, what happened during that storm. So we have a bit of a surprise for you this morning. We actually have a special interview. I'm so tickled pink. So I mentioned this, I kind of gave away, I kind of hinted at this on yesterday's program when I was talking about the fact that we had um, a, a special interview on Sunday with Miss Quelda May Solomon. Now, Miss Quelda has such an amazing um, story, you know, of just um, resilience in life and triumph, as far as I'm concerned, making it to the age of 90. And she was sharing some of that with us. She talked about the fact that she was actually born two days before the storm hit. And I thought, wow, that must have been interesting. Of course, she wouldn't have any recollections as a two-day-old baby of the storm itself. But this storm was quite an event. Um, and we know that it is still considered by many to be perhaps the worst national disaster in living memory for the Cayman Islands. And why do they say that? Well, we had a Hurricane Ivan. But guess what? Hurricane Ivan does not compare to the death toll of the 1932 storm. So even you know during Hurricane Ivan, we were most fortunate to be able to um, get through that with really no deaths directly because of the storm. We had some after the storm because you know people were doing other things. 
um, maybe misusing a generator or whatever. But yes, this is the um, 90th anniversary of this event. I don't know if the Cayman Islands is actually doing anything today in observation of the event, but I thought here in this program, we definitely had to acknowledge this uh, devastating but still historical moment in the history of our country. So the accounts of this three-day-long 52-hour ordeal has been well-documented and remembered in significant anniversaries. For the 60th anniversary back in 1992, there was a seminal book on the subject called The 32 Storm, which was compiled by the late Heather um, R. McLaughlin, and that was published. I wonder if we can get copies of that. Hmm. I'll have to look into that and see. But again, this was based on accounts from the National Archives Oral History Program. And the book talks about firsthand the, the story of what took place as recounted by survivors. So additionally, it included um, official documents such as reports, telegrams and letters, plus songs and poems after the songs. Of course, you know, you can certainly imagine that back in 1932, we didn't have satellites we didn't have all this fancy weather stuff. We couldn't go on YouTube to see what was going on with the storm. Um, you know, we didn't have Facebook and WhatsApp where we could message our loved ones. This was a very different event. And so one of the family members of Ms. Crowda was sharing how, um, quite interestingly enough, her, I believe they said her grandfather. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to the voice note again. But they said that, listen, you know, her mom had five kids. I believe she was the youngest out of the out of the set of five. Was she the youngest? Mm, I think she was. But anyway, she was a baby at that point. And um, they said, you know, the grandfather was like, we're going to drown because they were literally, uh, the water had come up. They were treading water. And the baby was wrapped, which would be Miss Qualda. She was wrapped up in, in a blanket. And um, he said to the mom, just let the blanket go. I guess you take a chance that the baby might survive. You might find the baby later. And this mother, bless her little heart. I mean, she said, absolutely not. And you know, if you're a mother, you know that, um, you know, it doesn't matter if you have 50 kids. Um, every single child holds a special place in your heart. And you cannot, Some a lot of parents give their own lives for their children. So I can't even imagine that being um, put on the table, you know, but she held on to that baby in the blanket for dear life. And, you know, to think now 90 years later that we had the opportunity to actually interview Ms. Qualda is just absolutely amazing. So we're going to play that interview today. I was up into the wee hours of the night working on it. Um, I hadn't done, you know, I hadn't really done any um, sort of video editing myself in a little while and so I'd lost a touch or two, but it was coming back to me and I was making a few errors and mistakes. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to redo that and render the video all over again, Ugh, which takes time. But uh, because I did the interview on Sunday, it was arranged sort of last minute. I didn't have access to my regular videographer. And sometimes I don't want to bother him. You know, Gene is wonderful, but Gene has a family too. Um, and weekends, you know, although we got into a lot of interviews, if I can do it without him, you know, sometimes I'm just go out there and just get it done, right? Because he has a young daughter and wife, of course, that he uh, needs to spend time with as well. So the devastation of the storm, as recounted by many, over 100 lives were lost. Let me get the exact death count. I think it was 100. Um, let me just see. 
So it says here that the immediate impact that Black residents had to deal with was a tremendous loss of life, homes, and property. Sadly, accounting for lives uh, lost stretched on for many months and even into the following year. Oh my gosh, can you imagine? In several houses, up to 19 people perished and had to be buried in mass grave sites. So this gives you an idea again of the devastation of the storm. And you know, we we think that Ivan was the worst, but it didn't cause the, the death toll, obviously, that the 1932 storm did for many reasons, right? So um, it goes on to say that despite this immense loss and grief, uh, the Stoic Islanders from Cayman Brack got down to business of assessing the damage and started rebuilding as soon as conditions improved and supplies arrived on the island. In the words of Carvel Sonny McLean, who was 18 years old at the time of the storm, and this is his quote from him, after the 32 storm, everything changed in these islands, even the people, I think. Wow. Let that sink in. Such a devastating event. Even the people changed. Uh, he was strongly of the view that the storm had long-reaching effects, and most of those interviewed agreed. Over the years, the focus has been on the tangible devastating impacts of the hurricane, such as the loss of life in homes, etc. But in this article, it says that they're going to cast the light on some of the heartening consequences mentioned by the oral history narrators who remembered how the testing and trauma made the community and individuals stronger. So Captain Keith Tibbetts' words best expressed this sentiment when he said, well, it's pretty hard to explain. But when a person survives an ordeal like that, all you can do is look to the Lord for help. That's what everybody felt. And I tell you that. I've often said Cayman Brackers uh, is the most determined people in the world. They didn't pack it in. Mm, resilience, right? So um, there's a phrase, a phrase, sorry, that states, we don't heal in isolation, but in community. And indeed, there is uh, much evidence that this event became a character-shaping catalyst for survivors as they worked towards and uh, worked together to rebuild their island home. The captain of the last relief ship to reach Cayman Brack, the HMS Dragon out of Bermuda, uh, made this report. He said, all who have come in contact with them have been much struck by their fortitude, courage, and cheerfulness displayed by the inhabitants, many of whom have seen their homes and belongings completely washed away. This island, and meaning Cayman Brack, uh, has been reduced to a desert. The road is a slope of loose coral. Not a tree carries a leaf. The cultivated land is salted. Many boats have been lost. Uh, of 20 motor cars, one remains. So 1932, they only had 20 motor cars. Can you believe it? Only one survived the storm. And about 70 people had been killed. And of course, we would later learn that the final death toll was actually 117 people out of a total population of 1,200 people after accounting for those lost in the um, Kays uh, and Cuba as the storm moved north. Wow, this is so crazy. So crew from the Dragon uh, traversed the length of the island, cleaning out cisterns and filling them with water from its stores on board ship. A Royal Mail steamer, the Loch Catherine, as elders uh, and elders 
at Vessel, quickly organized relief efforts in Jamaica, and sailed to Cayman Brack carrying blankets, food supplies, a medical doctor who was Dr. Murray, and anything else that they could get on board um, to take to Cayman Brack. Mr. Arnold Cappy Foster and his brother, who lived in Jamaica at the time, uh, who were eager to assess the damage firsthand and render any assistance that they could give also traveled. So again, a bit of history. Now, this is where the Samboko comes in. So very, very interesting history if you didn't know this. But the Samboko, which is Cayman's uh, trusty mail ship, was also at anchor in Kingston Harbor when its captain, uh, Ashlyn Foster, got news of the devastating impact of the storm on Cayman Brack. He immediately contacted the crew and passengers and set sail at 7 a.m. the following morning. He arrived in the Brack by 5 p.m. the following day. And in his words, this was a quote now from him, he says, the land was the ugliest thing you ever saw in your life. Mm -mm -mm. No homes left standing, all the trees lying across the soil, coconut trees, one coconut on top of the other. At least 50% of the sand washed away, leaving bare rocks. Although he did not have uh, much groceries on board for Cayman Brack, he made the executive decision to let Mr. Ruddy have what was needed to feed the people from the cargo he was carrying to shops um, to shops in Grand Cayman. So basically they unloaded the cargo there. Everything was fully accounted for with receipts signed by collecting collector Ruddy and the shop owners in Grand Cayman were supportive of this decision given uh, them most unusual circum given their most unusual circumstances. Uh, within days, the Husvik and it looks like it's Nunoka also sailed in from Grand Cayman. And initially most people lived temporarily in tents and makeshift shelters using lumber and other material retrieved from the damaged houses. As lumber and other material arrived from Grand Cayman, they eventually turned their attention to rebuilding the damaged homes. And below are a few observations captured in interviews which um, highlight how those who survived supported each other through this difficult season, drawing deeply on their faith and confident belief that good comes from every adversity. Do we need to say that again? Everybody in the back of the classroom, are y'all paying attention this morning? Your faith and confident belief that good comes from every adversity. As we say in these times for sure, this too shall pass no matter what it is, right? Nothing stays the same. And so the good passes, the bad passes, and you just got to hang on through the, um, the valleys of life. So Veronica Smith expressed the following when she said, government supplied lumber and the carpenters would all volunteer to try and build one another's houses because the island was poor, distressed, no money making. Nobody could go to work and say they're going to bring in a paycheck. Everyone had to live in love and unity and help one another get a shelter. Mm. Jim uh, Leach uh, said, who was 13 years old at the time, he recalled the following, the sense of helping each other and the determination, there was no feeling of despair. 
You were so glad to be alive and you were given almost a superhuman ability to face the privations at the time and enjoy and laugh about it. There was no sense of gloom and despair. If there was, I didn't pick up on it as a young person. So imagine 13 years old at the time. And he said he didn't pick up on it. He continues. It did bring about a feeling of determination and courage on my part. A feeling that you can do. You jumped from a child to a man almost overnight. Imagine at the age of 13, right? There uh, was a minimum of complaining and a sense of gratitude for everything people did for us and thankfulness that we were alive. We also spoke about how the young people in the evening would go to the road to pick up rocks and actually enjoy doing it. There was a spirit of, we, we're, we're going to do it. We're going to make it. We're going to keep on, you know. Afterwards, there were people who said, it made men out of boys. I went to work, then helping my dad work on the house. I took on the responsibility of making money for myself, um, shingling roofs, doing carpentry, work for other people, did all sorts of things. So leading families responded to the appeal of government collector, Mr. Aston Ruddy. And of course, if you've been to the BRAC, you will know there's the um, there's a road, I believe, the main road that cuts through the island, Aston Ruddy, um, that's named after him, as well as the, isn't the center there in the BRAC also called the Aston Ruddy Center? Mm-hmm. So now you know a little bit about who Aston Ruddy was. So he was the government collector, um, and he, uh, to put the country before self, to return and rebuild together, Captain Charles Kirkernel explained that his father, Captain Charlie Kirkernel, stopped in Cayman Brack, and he was actually in Jamaica when the storm hit, returning with his family from Tampa, where they had been living for several years. After learning that his home in the Brack was completely destroyed, he intended to call it a day. But in Captain Charles's words, Ruddy prevailed on him, um, on Captain Charlie, that is. He said, Captain Charlie, all the people from the Brack have just left me, and Cayman Brack can never come back unless we get some of our people to stay here. And his persevering, persever, per, sorry, pervasive uh, power convinced my dad that he would go back and rebuild. And so that was it. He's ready to call it quits. And good old um, Ashen Ready said, no, 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 no. The Brack needs you. Families such as the Kirkernels, Fosters, Scots, and Tibbets all responded to Mr. Ruddy's impassioned requests. Many remained or returned to Cayman Brack, establishing business in spite of the bleak prospects. They worked over many years uh, with dogged determination to help improve the state of their island home. A good number went on to become well-known successful entrepreneurs. And of course, we know all those names, right? Uh, community servants and politicians uh, whose names live in the history of the Cayman Islands. Several of those who chose to leave immediately or later kept in touch and were supportive of their families on the island and eventually returned after years away to help build and contribute to the island's progress. These accounts show that while devastating the 1932 storm, 
can be remembered for the sense of community, resilience, and love for country as demonstrated by our ancestors. So big shout out to Nancy Bernard, who um, shared this story on the 1932 hurricane. <clears throat> and again, it lasted for three days, really, um, with the eighth being remembered as sort of the most significant day for the storm. Beautiful. So let's see who we've got with us this morning. Everybody was in session. Yes, honey child. Morning, uh, Marshall. Um, Jonathan says celebration of the new Pirates Months. <laughs> oh my gosh, Jonathan. I need you to be more positive. He says he's going to play a number for tonight. Play whatever you want. But we got to get you to be more positive, have more positive outlook, have that resilience that your forefathers had, Jonathan. Come on now. Pull up your bootstraps, honey child. We can do this. A lot of us in the same boat together, my love. It's all about perspective. Good morning, Gabby. Says they should have them available at the National Museum. Um, have what available? I miss. I might have missed that. Uh, good morning to Susan. So good to see you. Perla is here. Perla says, I'm fascinated with this history. It's good to know where you come from and what has happened. And of course, folks, that is one of the reasons why we continue to do the, um, well, we've just, I feel like we've only just begun the Cayman Voices series because, you know, if you don't know your history, Lord Jesus, you're definitely doomed. <laughs> um, but it's also just so incredibly interesting to hear where we've come from, you know, because I, I walk away from every single interview being more and more fascinated by the person that I've just interviewed, their family history. And that extends then to our collective history as a Caymanian people. You'll hear in this interview here in a second that I'm going to play, uh, Ms. Quelda, oh, the book. Thank you, Gabby. Ms. Quelda, um, of course, you know, kept looking at me and she's like, you look familiar. You look like somebody in my family. And I said to her, well, as Caymanians, who knows? You know, I feel like we're all related somewhere down the line. According to 23andMe, I'm related to half a Cayman that I didn't even know. I've got relatives all over the place. So I wouldn't be surprised um, if we were related. I think there's a much closer re relation to her husband, who was a Solomon. And as you guys know, um, you know, my dad uh, was a Solomon as well. And of course, you know, that would have made me a Solomon. So there's all sorts of connections um, to us as people. Alejandro says, that was a lot of cars for a little speck back then. Well, trust me, you'd be surprised. You guys saw the interview that we did with Mr. Wenzel Burlington. He talked about how few cars at the time were actually in um, West Bay. And they had so few cars, Alejandro, that he could actually, they could tell by the light which which of the four cars it was. <laughs> like, that is just so crazy, like, to think about being able to identify a car, not by a license plate number, but just by the lights and how they shone at night. Mm, mm, mm. Amazing. Ms. Beulah says, our father used to tell us about the 32 storm all the time. He was only 11 years old at the time of the storm. And you know, Ms. Beulah, I um, had the opportunity to meet Mr. Ira Walton. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, do I wish that he was still alive because he was such... Um, a character, you know, the times that I spent with him, uh, very, very jovial. 
And uh, it would have been amazing to be able to interview him. So I'm going through my list. I've got a list of people that I am going to get to interview, hopefully. So if you hear me calling and you hear me knocking at your door, you know that this is what it's all about. It's called Cayman Voices. And I want to really take a moment to um, say a heartfelt thank you to the DART organization. You know, on this platform, folks, um, you know, my heart is big and, and, and sometimes I feel like my brain might be um, equally as big and the things that I want to do and the things that I want to accomplish. And, you know, as I reflect on the five-year journey now, we're going into six years next year with Cayman Ma Road, uh, who knew that we would even get to this stage? But, you know, as with all journeys, you take it one day at a time, honey child. And sometimes you just walk by faith and passion. And that's exactly what we were doing with this platform. But there's so many ideas and so many things that I want to see come to fruition and that I'd really um, like to see done, including the Cayman Voices um, series. So, you know, it's it's uh, just an amazing opportunity for me to sit down with our elders in particular and learn who they are. And it's not just Caymanians. We've got people who have come from abroad and they were here in the early days in the 70s and who helped to build this country as well. And they will have a lot of fond memories about Cayman families and um, how they integrated in the early days. So I am uh, really, really, you know, just beyond pleased that we've finally been able to start. And that is really due to the kind corporate sponsorship of the DART organization. And, you know, they, they're like, yeah, we don't need any accolades or fanfare, but let's be honest. A lot of times if we don't have the ability to get, you know, professionals on board to help us polish up the things that we're delivering, you know, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. Right. So that's where the sponsorship comes in. Anybody else interested in coming on board and sponsoring programs, please reach out to us. Uh, you know, we want to do the cooking show. We've got our book club. We're still focused on our 50 by 50, which we need to kind of kick in high gear. We'll talk about that another day. But, you know, there's these little community um, sort of projects and things that we want to push that, you know, again, uh, I think brings us all together in a really, meaning, really meaningful way to hear people um, talk about their stories, I think is just really important. One of the takeaways for me is how amazingly resilient our people are. So when I hear about how resilient they were after the storm, I can tell you that the vast majority of people that I've interviewed so far came from a very poor upbringing. Every single one of them was like, we grew up poor. We grew up poor. Poverty, like real poverty that today, when we talk about the struggles of, oh, I can't go out there and afford a mortgage. It was like a mortgage. What the hell is that? You went to sea and you sent you know, maybe $100 home a month, $200 home, whatever you could earn that you would send home. And that went towards eventually trying to build a house. Uh, when you guys hear the one with Mr. John Douglas about how, you know, he had a trustworthy, um, someone who was kind of like an uncle to him. But again, Mr. Douglas was from the BRAC. All these years I've known John Douglas, I didn't even know that he was a BRACA, that he was born in the BRAC, but there you go. Talked about his resilience, talked about not having a mother or a father. You know, and I feel like sometimes we just take so much for granted. We've been so softened. I mean, we've lived 
a relatively good life. You know, we had the good years. We had the 80s and 90s growing up and even the 2000s for some of you who are a little bit younger where we didn't have to think about where our next meal was coming from. We didn't have to go out there and thatch rope and work in the hot sun all day or go abroad for us as Caymanians to be able to find employment opportunities that we were creating, you know, a culture here and an economic system here where other people wanted to come and work here. Well, that wasn't always the case. There was a time when our forefathers, our parents, our fathers in particular, and our grandfathers, they had to go abroad in order to find work. Yeah. And so this is when I say that we need to reflect on these things and remember that we come from a unique level of resilience that we should never forget. And so quite frankly, um, you know, we just have to continue on that path. Times have changed. Times are different. Times are tough in a different way, but we are tougher than the times. Alejandro says, um, these are the stories that some developers need to hear. There's always a repeat in history. Anyone believes in the Bible know what I'm talking about. Um, social studies and CMR takes me back to primary school of 2001. Primary school in 2001. Oh my gosh, Alejandro, you're like a little baby. <laughs> so, um, but yes, um, thank you so much. Um, okay, so, oh, Jonathan says he's going to play 90 to celebrate the anniversary. So imagine, folks, um, you know, Mr. George, you can message us, please. Um, I see your message here, but um, we'll see if we can get a hold of someone to assist you with that, Mr. George. So you stay tuned. Um, so Miss Moya says, name and shame, if you didn't live at the unit, you're entitled to your money back. Miss Moya, I think I might have missed something here. All right. So Gabby says, so true. Michael um, says the 1932 Cayman experience was what caused Ivan to pass without casualty because everyone was prepared. Mm, I don't know. I think it was just different times. So we knew the storm was coming, although I must say that a lot of us um, kind of believe that Ivan wasn't coming because we it's been so long that we've not had a storm that we're kind of like, oh, that one's going to skirt by. We'll be okay. But, you know, having the benefit of, I think, a lot of technology available to us so we know what's going on with storms, having just stronger homes even. Um, there's a lot of factors that played into why Hurricane Ivan was not as devastating as the 1932 storm. And even during that, we were also incredibly resilient uh, as people. Yeah. That's just who we are. I mean, I'm just in awe of this. So listen, let me cue up the interview. I want you guys to sit back. Um, and by the way, let, let's do birthday greeting. This weekend, we had lots of birthdays here. But um, let us do a birthday greeting to Omeria Gordon. Happy birthday. If you know Omeria, tell her. I don't know if she's listening this morning. She might be enjoying a birthday coffee or something. But tell her that CMR sends her lots of love and happy, happy, happy birthday. Over the weekend, there were tons of birthdays. Sherry Ann Bodden. Uh, formerly Smith had a birthday. We had Ozzy who had a birthday last week. We had Craig Marin had a birthday. We had Vernie Coe had a birthday. Um, who else had a birthday? Um, Josefina Medina 
also had a birthday yesterday or on Sunday rather. So lots of birthdays over the weekend. Um, so happy birthday to everyone. And yes, you can always send in your birthday greetings and we're happy to post those as well. So we have a young man whose birthday is today. Let me just see if I can find that message. Um, hold on one second here. That is Mr. Oh gosh, hold on now. We posted it already on the page. And let me also remind you, this is a, quite an important announcement. I know that we had to get used to this a little bit, but we now have a CMR community page where we post up notices. So if you, you know, have uh, lost and found items in particular, go on that page. So yesterday we had two driver's license that was found, couple credit cards, wallets, phones, dogs, cats, everything. Please go to those pages. Uh, go to that page, my apologies. CMR community, um, that's the page that you want to go to because that's where we're now exclusively going to be posting all of those things. So big shout out to Josiah McLaughlin. He is um, enjoying a birthday today and his dad spend, sends uh, special greetings to this young man. So happy birthday, young man, and hope that you have um, a fabulous day. Okay, so uh, Perla, um, Damien says 1932 storm had casualties. Rebecca's cave was one. So a lot of people I think we know uh, went in the caves for shelter they felt like that was a safe place um, to try to hide out. But listen, you simply went wherever you could, um, you know, to, again, um, try to save your life. So a devastating and fierce hurricane. I wonder if we had the ability to um, sort of know what where that was on the scale. It was probably, without a doubt, a hurricane vibe, but we... Um, just don't know. There's actually something, um, someone sent me a picture of the the book that I was talking about just now, compiled and edited by Heather R. McLaughlin at the Cayman, Cayman Islands National Archive. So I hope that I can actually get a copy of this because I believe that in our, you know, collection of books and memories, there should always be um, some of these sort of historical bits and pieces that we have so let me just show you guys this. And if your kids have never been to the National Archive, folks, um, find the time to take them. So that's the book that was compiled. Isn't that beautiful? Um, so, yep, it was compiled and edited by Heather R. McLaughlin, illustrated by Nancy Kirkernel Bernard, and published by the Cayman Islands National Archive. And it gives eyewitness accounts and official reports of what has been considered the worst national disaster in the history of the Cayman Islands. Mm, mm, mm. Absolutely amazing. Okay, so stay tuned folks for our um, interview segment. We will re-air just a portion with Ms. Crowda um, a bit later on on social media, but I want you guys to really sit back and enjoy. Um, if you're young people, of course they're probably in school, but, you know, have them go back and watch it on um, social media. So um, Perla says, and back in 1932, how did they know that the storm was heading their way? Well, that's one of the reasons why they couldn't really prepare for it, to be honest. There might have been, uh, Damien says, the natural signs from animals. Sometimes, yes, there are things that animals will do as a storm gets closer and closer. But I don't know how much uh, preparation 
really they could have done. And of course, you know, things were very, very um, limited back in those days in any event. Like, what can you do to prepare, right? Of course, you know, when I have these historical moments, I oftentimes think of um, people like Miss Mary, and this would be a great time to just give her a jingle. Now, I don't know if she's, what she's up to this morning, but um, let's just give her a quick call. See, see if she's up and about. That is Miss Mary Lawrence, of course, and see if we can just reflect on this day with her this morning. So let's see if she's still at home. She's a busy woman now, y'all. She's out and about. She's not sitting down doing nothing all day. She keeps very busy. Rena says the book gave me nightmares. It's very sad and scary to read, but definitely worth the read. Rest in peace to all of those who lost their lives in the 32 storm. Miss mm, Mary might not be home anymore. She is out and about already. Let's try her mobile. Of course, we don't want to call her. She's driving because we want her to focus on the road. But let's see. Lavana says, I remember the day Hurricane Ivan was coming and saw my dad and Mr. Craig Pearson looking up to the sky. I asked. I asked Hello. Hi, Miss Mary. Hi. It's Sandra Hill. How are you? Oh, hi. How are you? I'm good. So you're live on radio right now. I hope you're not driving. Um, today, of I, course, I was, I was, I was just walking out of the door because I'm taking my dog to the vet. Oh, well, we, we won't keep you long, but I just wanted to um, speak with you very, very briefly this morning. I'm sure you know what today is in the history of the Cayman Islands. I'm going to tax your brain a little bit. The 1932 storm. I know the seventy-five. Well, well, we there were the two storms of seventy-five years apart, in um, Cayman Brack. Yes. So tell Cayman us. Cayman Brack's Paloma was seventy-five years after. Right. The thirty-two hurricane. Yeah. So mm -hmm. tell us a little bit um, of of what you've heard about the nineteen thirty-two storm. Of course, the book compiled by Miss Heather um, McLaughlin. We need to get our hands on that. But tell us what your memories are and what you heard. Um, the elders you couldn't get your hands on that? Uh, not in advance of the show. So I need to see. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I could have let you have a copy of that. Oh, gosh. Well, thank you. I'm going to get in contact with you a little bit later on today. But what were some of the stories that you heard about the hurricane, the 32 storm in particular? Well, the 32 hurricane came in, of course, you know, down there advanced notice they had is that well the old people looking at the skies and mm -hmm. knowing that bad weather was coming and you know they lashed down their houses because that's what they used to do they tied down their house stops they would run a piece of thatch rope mm -hmm. but whether the house was the roof was zinc or whether it was um thatch they ran a piece of rope under the floor and over the roof and then tied it so that the roof didn't blow off. Mm. That was how they secured the roof. And <clears throat> where I live now, you used to call in yonder, um, my husband's um, <clears throat> family home was in this area mm. and they had 51 people in it because people came in from, there was no road in there and there were footpaths. But people came in, people like Miss Janely's family. Miss Janely was in the house when the hurricane took place. 
Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> one of the things that, and I'm sorry, I'm having trouble with my voice this morning. That's one okay. of the things that um, with Bodden Town, or one of the things island-wide, was the fact that when the salt water went all over the land, the ground wells that they used for water mm-hmm. got contaminated. Mm-hmm. And so there was a shortage of drinking water. Um, unless you had a cistern or somebody had a cistern and you could get a bucket from them drinking water was in short supply. Mm-hmm. It also destroyed all the crops and the ground was so saturated with the salt water that it had difficulty growing the crops afterwards. A number of people left Ireland at that, after that. But the, <clears throat> in Cayman, we didn't have we didn't have any loss of life. But in the spots prospect area, mm-hmm. which is because, you know, then the road ran, uh, we, we have, we've forgotten our geography we came on. The road ran, ran along the shoreline mm-hmm. all the way around the island, seven miles beach and everywhere. The road ran, ran along the shoreline right inside of the little sandbank. And that whole area was destroyed except for a cistern. And uh, three women tied themselves together with rope and swam through the mangroves. All of that area going into Georgetown was mangroves. <clears throat> and they swam through the mangroves to halfway pond to Miss Hillary Thompson's house. There was no communication. We didn't have phones or anything at that time. Mm-hmm. And they swam down there to let the people in that end of the island know that this that whole section was completely destroyed. They had people like Miss Irene's house survive, and that is still there, in fact, Irene Jackson's house. That is still there. And um, but the people from that were on the cliffs sheltering in trees, holding on to trees mm-hmm. um during the storm. And um because the waves just took people, you know, willy-nilly everywhere. Mm-hmm. And but the Gleaner newspaper carried the story of those three women who swam down to Miss Hillary's place because Miss Hillary had a Kodak camera that her Father had bought her in 1902, mm. and she used to take pictures of everything. And she took a photograph of them, and the Gleaner newspaper carried a photograph and the story of how they came down, how they went down there to carry the story of the storm. Um, the Cayman Brack situation, well, they lost a lot of boats too, mm-hmm. you know, they, which was a lot of families owned their own. Ship, we called them ships then because they, they were, that was the biggest thing you had around beside a dory. And um, a number of families lost their boats. They were out, they had gone out to the Kirtland banks and they hadn't gotten back. A lot of the Kim and Brack families lost their boats like that too. Um, they, there was no communication between the islands. People didn't know in Cayman that they the devastation in Kim and Brack until past the ships stopped to tell them because um, there was no communication. And I mean, the Brack was isolated and they had no way of letting anyone know what was going on and how difficult things were. You know, all their food supplies, everything was gone because all their homes went down, mm-hmm. most of them. And um, that was a, that was a catalyst, in fact, for when Commissioner Cardinal came here, that he put the communication system in place. They built the wireless station next to the government house, which is where the glass house is now. 
um, they built a wireless station there and um, they brought in someone from Cuba to operate it and they strung a line through the island and put a phone in each person, in one phone in each area, each village area, I should say, mm-hmm. where, they, because we didn't have post offices either. And, mm-hmm. you know, the mail, when it was delivered, would go to somebody's house who was supposed to be responsible for it. Mm-hmm. And then we'd go there and collect your mail from them. And so they put the phone in each, one in each develop, developing area, one in Bottentown, one in Spots, one in Savannah, all the way down and north side, east end. But it was all on one line, you know, and you had so many rings for each um, district or each area. Mm. And so if you had to get a message to someone and you entered the post office, as they called it, but like I said, it was in someone's house. Mm. And you made that call, the whole, you had your special ring, but the whole island knew what you were talking about because mm. it was on one line. But the, um, the black situation was really, really bad. Um, now, Mrs. Isley uh, told me her personal, Isley Connor told me her personal experience with that. She was nine years old. Mm-hmm. And her father was the policeman in the BRAC. And he left her, her, her mother and the children to go to a neighbor's house where they thought they would be safe. And uh, she had a young baby at the time. And he went out to try to help everybody else. Mm-hmm. But when the sea started coming in, he raced back and got them from the house they were in. And they had to climb the bluff in that storm. And then you, had, then you had to climb the bluff. You didn't have a road or you didn't have even a footpath. You climbed up the side of the bluff. Mm-hmm. And she said she remembered being buffeted by the wind and thinking she was going to be blown off the side of the bluff. She was nine years old at the time. Um, going, following him and trying to keep the, because she was the oldest one, trying to keep the children in line behind them and his mother, her mother carrying the baby. And um, then he went back to try to help people. So they had, during this whole, the hurricane, they were all worried about what was happening to him, whether he had lost his life too. Mm. The people that they had been sheltering with, he tried to get them to go with them up the side of the bluff and they said no 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 they thought they were safe but their house was washed away and they were all lost oh my gosh and yeah and you know she said it was such a traumatic time after that because they you know there was they had no food Mm -hmm. and when they um the ships started bringing food in the boats started you know even passing ships would stop and share their food Mm -hmm. um you know he had Israel saw her father because he was out there trying to make sure everybody got a little bit that they could all survive. And mm-hmm. of course, was all the cleanup afterwards and all the rest of it. But a lot of people in Cayman left um, at that time to go to Honduras to try to earn a living there because they had their banana and copra business going mm-hmm. down there. And um, Jim's parents was one of those who went down there, but then the children got sick with malaria and they had and she had to come back with them. And you know, it was a that time was a that period was an extremely difficult period in everybody's lives in this country. Mm. The United Church in Bodentown, which we call the Webster Memorial Church now, it was a Presbyterian church in that was being built. It started out in 1931. And you know, they made those blocks by hand right on the site. Um, they brought their lumber and the cement from Jamaica 
but the women brought all the water from their first well, which was now contaminated. That, that was the town's biggest well. And they would get water from that. For you know, you go there and get your fill your nuts. I don't know if you know they used to use a calabash nut then to take water around in because you pour a little hole in the end of the calabash, scrape it all out inside, and then you could fill it with bubblet as we called it in the well, mm-hmm. and now put a plug out of plant and trash, plant and leaves in dried plant and leaves in it. And you could carry several of them in a basket on your back, which was better than carrying a bucket. If you if you had one, that was because a lot of people didn't have a bucket. But they backed the water from there to the church site. And from first well is in Cumber Avenue. And they would take every evening they would the women would take the water up and fill up the drums. And the children brought the sand and gravel off the beach in baskets and um to to make those blocks. Mm-hmm. And during the hurricane, the west gable fell down. They had the walls up and the two gables, east and west. And the west gable fell down. And so they had, during the storm. And so then they had to replace that. And that's where, um, this is all the part of, <laughs> of my narrative on it. Mm-hmm. That was where um, Hag Baden, the Pre, the late Peg Baden, um, you know, from the Legislative Assembly, mm-hmm. Baden twin, Peg and Jim. That's where his father was working when he took in sick and died a couple of days later. He was putting back the West Gable. He was up on the scaffold and putting back the West Gable. And uh, of course, he was an infant at the time, and his sister was, I think, three and a half years old, something like that. But they, they hold the the whole country took a long time to recover from that. Mm. They, um, uh, they, the commissioner that came at that, uh, and he followed Commissioner Firth. The commissioner that came after that was Commissioner Cardinal. And he, like I said, put in the wireless station. And then he's got to work building the town halls, not the one in Georgia that had been built before, mm. but the di- town halls in the district. And if you look at them, you will see they're on the highest point of land in the district. Mm-hmm. Um, not well, East End is Garland Bluffett. The East End is uh, East End Town was on that rock ridge. So is Bodden Town North Side. They were being built as um, hurricane shelters, but they were used as schoolrooms in this country for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's where I went to school. Mm-hmm. And so they. When it, when it, we, like I said, we didn't lose the lives, but we lost in, in, in Cayman, in Grand Cayman, but we lost, they lost everything else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, he went through their houses. Um, I don't see uh, one case where they had a real fancy house and um, they had, but they had blocked their, the front of it, the, the wall, the, the, you know, instead of, it was up on the pillars, like they, they were building them then, and they blocked it with science stuff, fretwork across the front and the back, and the sea got under it, and of course, took the floor out because it had nowhere to go, it couldn't go anywhere else, mm-hmm. and her baby was in a hammock, mm-hmm. and she caught it as the, sea, as the sea was stuck sucking it into the floor. Um, she grabbed his little shirt and held on to him and 
they managed to she managed to save herself and the baby, but the house went. And you know, it was there, there was it was like the Ivan hurricane. The mm. tales that there's everybody had their own story. And um, but you know, a lot of the Ivan hurricane tales have never been written down because um, there were some people who told their tales, and people like Terra Merrin wrote them down. Mm. But um, the, a, a lot of them were so traumatic that they didn't even want to talk about it in the beginning. Yeah. They talk about it now, but they didn't want to talk about it in the beginning. And so yes. they, those tales weren't written down. Heather McLaughlin did a good job in that book. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I am, you know, in fact, when she worked at the archives, she did that book and she did the book on Cayman, the, tri- the trilogy, the book on Cayman's um, history, where she did the uh, story of the various memorials and and, and petitions that we made to England and Jamaica. And then she did, and the second book was the book on the wreck of the ten sails. And the third one was the book with all the Cayman songs of, the, of, of that era. And it is so funny that we say we don't have music now, but she cataloged those books. All those book storm songs are written down mm. in that book. I mean, and the music is there for it. It wasn't, she didn't just write the words. She wrote the music as well. Yes. And then, of course, she did a lot of things for schools, you know, like rope making and how to put together school magazine and newspaper. And and a a tremendous amount of writing that she did while she was there. And I don't think she ever really got the credit for it that she deserved. Because Mm -hmm. she also wrote Miss Hillary, Miss Sybil's life story. Yes. Um, well, I thank girl. you. Um, I, I don't want to so, take too much time. I know you said you have a, you have your little dog. Yeah, my back. I have her and her little tag ready to oh go. Oh my gosh! But thank you <laughs> but, so much. This morning, we actually have an interview with Miss Quelda Solomon, who was born literally two days before the storm hit. Uh, that we're going to be playing on the show this morning. But of course, I couldn't think um, about such a historical moment without getting a little bit of insight from you for the well, you know, of Ms. our listeners. Miss Nell told me. Miss Nell told me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I I went I went to her house to try to get her out of it for the mm-hmm. Ivan hurricane. Then she says, "Oh, she says I am going to be fine here." She said, "You know, I went through the thirty-two hurricane." She said, mm-hmm. "You know, and um, you know, I, I, I'll be fine here." Took a lot of persuading. In fact, I had to go to to the uh, town hall up on the cliff at the back and tell the police officer to go and get her because she was refusing to go up to the cliff. And she told me afterwards, she said, when she saw that sea break against that cliff and run around that building on that, um, on, on top of that cliff that they called their little town hall, she said, I knew that a 1932 hurricane was nothing in comparison to this one. Mm-hmm. She said, we had, I had no idea that a hurricane could be that bad because a 32 hurricane carried a tidal wave too. Mm-hmm. Which was um, which which swept across the land and um, people didn't. I don't. They, they everybody of course ran to the backlands or in yonder as they call it mm-hmm. to shelter from uh, their homes on the beach. All the homes were built along the beach and then they were built facing the ocean. That's mm-hmm. why Caymanians never thought the beaches was any, anything. After that, they were ready to sell the beach land because that was worth anything as far as they were concerned. You could look at the ocean, but if a storm came, you didn't have a house. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, a lot of things influenced our history yes, all along the way. And uh, and well, this, that's so what much. I say, the people's history has been written. 
I don't know if that's helpful or not. I just yeah, kind of wandered no, around a so bit. Much. But um, that's the way I, you know, uh, I heard all the stories because mm-hmm. and that's something else we don't do anymore. We don't pass on our stories. Yes. Because children right. today don't even know about it. Children today don't even know about the Avon Hurricane. If you ask them about it, they don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Absolutely. And they haven't read the books. But we didn't have any books. They just passed the stories down. Mm-hmm. I listened to them year after year growing up in this community. Everybody told their story. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah. all thank right. You, Ms. Thank you, Miss Mary. Appreciate it as always. You're always so gracious with your I'll time see. and your knowledge. Well, thank it's you. so great that you are taking time to talk about all of this this morning. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Thank you, my dear. And thank I'll be I'll be in touch for a copy of that book. Okay. All okay, right. love. All right. All right, folks. Oh my goodness, excuse me. That was a sneeze. Um yeah, Miss Mary's so awesome. So I didn't get to finish the comment from Lavana. So she was saying that her um, dad and Mr. McCray Pearson looked up at the sky and I asked them what, what were they doing? And they both said that it was going to be a bad hurricane. I said, how do you know? And they both said, because of the way the sky was, they went um, to see back in the day and knew what to look for. My dad could actually tell the time just by looking at the clouds. Don't know how, but yes, our seamen were the best. Big up to one and only Daddy Lewis Christian. Everton, um, good morning to you. Letting us know that U.S. is having, uh, I think it's midterm elections today. Um, Shannon says, my dad and Uncle Burns were babies in the 32 storm and their families took them into the cave across the street from my dad and mom's house. Uh, my dad's um, sister kept putting her finger in my dad's mouth to make sure that he was still alive. Oh, my goodness. I wonder how young he was. Oh, my. Um, Soka says the birds get very quiet when the barometric pressure gets low. So I know to watch for hurricane winds. Um, some get diarrhea. Some regurgitate their food. It happened with Hurricane Irma. My gosh. The Ice Witch says, hello, my commanding people. Shout out to the elderly lady speaking. That was Miss Mary Lawrence. I think she mentioned my grandmother, Hillary Foster from the Brack. So lots of history. Miss Mary says the book about the 32 storm I bought at the Cayman Brack Museum and reading it made me so sad. I had to put it down after only reading half of it. I'm going to continue reading it now. Listen, these stories are difficult for sure um, to listen to. But I think the takeaway, Miss Mary, is always how incredibly resilient our people are. And so um, that is why, you know, I think it's just so amazingly important to um, to have these moments where we reflect on these important aspects of our history, our trials and tribulations as they are. So um, thank you very much for that comment, Miss Mary. So we do want to get the interview um, queued up and played here. And um, I hope that you guys really enjoy it. Um, thank you guys so much for your comments. Um, Perla says, has anyone noticed that hammocks are used in a tourist restaurant as a tourist attraction? <laughs> I used to see it in homes, front porch, or hang on a tree. I prefer these over the beach chairs. Uh, these are handmade and beach chairs are made by machines. Hammocks was never made in China like the beach chairs. Uh, thank you, Perla. All right, Miss Lucille's in the house. Lucille Forbes. Says, good morning, Sandy. Don't call on me. I can only remember Ralph Joyce and Miss um, 
is that Miss Una Bush or Una, Una Bush? And a lot of mosquito bites and making my smoke can love you in the Cayman Islands. Um, and also the old airport with Mr. Ira Walton, at Sandy, don't know about Calabash and she was too far out of sight. I will see if I can find her to show her what it looked like and don't laugh. No, our history is very important. It's no laughing matter. All right, folks. So stay tuned for this interview. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Cayman Voices was a dream that I had for several years now. It's about taking the power of storytelling to embrace our own collective history as a people. Through our individual stories, we're able to see the common thread that binds us together as one. One person's personal journey has become our collective culture, heritage, and history. This series will show people from all walks of life sitting down with me as the host and going through their life journey. Sometimes there are unknown elements of their lives, but ultimately we're going to walk away having learned something new with every person that we sit down with. I guess I would explain it as an exploration of our story. I'm naturally curious about people and their lives. So Cayman Voices is exciting and allows me to capture this for everyone to enjoy. We are seeking out Caymanians, multi-generational, as well as some who have moved here to, you know, uproot their entire lives and to make this their home. This dream would not be possible without some sponsorship. And so I'd like to thank the DART organization for stepping up to the plate uh, to ensure that we're able to deliver regular monthly content for our viewers to enjoy. So sit back, kick up your feet, turn up the radio, relax, and listen to Cayman Voices. You remember the time when it started to storm? It blowed from the southeast one long week, what you call a southeast gale. Rain and wind each day getting worse. But came in bright, cassava blowing up on the bluff, bottle of trees falling down, everything that could blow up. All at home, what a rattling are going on. Branches licking up against the house and window glass, and there's berry and great trees, the limbs just break off. The sea rising, waves mountain high. We went on to the bluff with the old people and children. Waited for two days for help. We lost a hundred and eight souls from that storm. Those on Grand Cayman suffered too, you. The turtle schooner, the diamond, she parted her anchor in South Sound Harbor struck the reef, turn bottom up. Oh, they say it was a pitiful sight. A huge wave was spots took the Jackson's house off the foundation and pinned him underneath. Help got the two days. The poor man died. Oh, we lost plenty. We lost plenty. So many homes destroyed. I hope I never live to see another storm like that.
As post-Paloma recovery efforts continue in Cayman Brac, we wanted to know how hurricanes shaped our country's history. Joining me to talk about this month's Cayman Quiz question is Denise Bodden, the Historic Programs Manager here at the National Trust. Denise, a lot of people know about the hurricane of 1932, but they aren't exactly sure when it hit. Well, it was a late season hurricane. Uh, Novembers were usually considered the the time to breathe because the season had passed and men were off at sea fishing. However, it hit on the 7th through the 9th and of course this is shockingly similar to Paloma hitting us on the 7th and 8th of November this year. The um, BRAC has really suffered architecturally quite a lot from the 32. Before that, like Grand Cayman, the BRAC had a lot of Waddle and Dobb homes but unfortunately they didn't survive. So in 1933 the fashion of the day was being influenced by the seamen who were visiting the southern states. Therefore, you have a lot of bungalow-type homes in the BRAC, um, which were a direct result of that hurricane passing through. We see in the BRAC that after Ivan, there was an explosion of uh, interest in the real estate on the bluff. Everybody here who'd been through Ivan wanted higher ground for good reason. So it is it has definitely shaped the real estate and the architectural history of, of the BRAC. During the 1932, my grandmother, um, along with her family, suffered a lot in the 32. And I remember stories that she told me about coming out of the hurricane literally naked with no clothing on. So those things are always fresh in my mind. But what I do remember was the resilience of the people. Great grandpa pulled out his hammer and saw and went to work on salvaging the remains of his original home. And I think that was a nice way of trying to preserve a little bit of, of his heritage and his culture and some memory that was tangible to his family. And I hope that in time, as, as the people of the BRAC recover, that they will be able to hold on to the things that are truly important to them. Thank you, Denise, for joining us. And if you at home would like to learn more about the National Trust, just log on to their website, www.nationaltrust.org.ky. Okay, so good afternoon. We're here with Miss Quelda May Solomon. Quelda May Solomon. Beautiful. Right. Happy birthday, first of all. I want to say to you. Thank you. <laughs> so today, Miss Quelda, you're 90 years old. Is that right? I, 90 today. 90 today. And then I understand that that means that you would have been born in 1932. 32. Right. In Cayman Brock. Yes, ma'am. And that was the year that Cayman Brack had the really big storm. I listened to me. I was born the 6th of November, and the storm was 8th of November. Wow. So it's just the, days I was before. My boss. That's, my, that's why my, my boss did it today. Yes. And, and the storm was on the 8th of 18th. November. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. When you know. were um, when you were growing up, Miss Qualda, did you hear a lot about that storm? What did you hear about that storm? Yeah, I was a baby. Yeah. I so you would have heard your parents talking about it. Yeah, I heard Mama talking about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And what what would they have said back in those days about the storm yeah. of '32? But by me being a little child, I couldn't remember. Yes. You know. Yeah, you wouldn't have remembered it. 
Yes, ma'am. Yes. So um, tell us a little bit about growing up on Cayman Brack. What was that like for you? I mean, I was, I was very poor and something that we call catch rope. Uh -huh. my, my mother, when I was a girl, um, me, my mother, me, my mother, my mother, but I'll tell you my mother's name first. My, my mother's name, Louise Watts. What's, what's her first name? My mother was mm -hmm. named Louise Watson. Louise Watson. Mm -hmm. Yes, okay. Sugar Master Smith, my father, Isaac Warner Smith. Okay. He died. Right. And then, um, my, 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 Mama married a man named Henry Watson. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes, very nice. So she used to do thatch rope. She used to do thatching. Yeah, mama taught, mama taught me. And she and taught my you. Grandmother. Okay. One, one of my grandmother named Urina Martin. Urina and Martin. F, and one mom Estelle, but she went blind. Her chin was down here. Okay. That's my father. That's my father's mother. Your father's mummy. Yes, ma'am. Okay. And so as a child then, you grew up doing a little bit of thatch roping. You remember doing that? Huh? huh? You remember thatching as a child? My, making thatch my grandmother, My grandmother, my, my mother teach me and they taught me and my two grandmothers. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, you know, I do these interviews all the time and sort of everybody says life was they were poor back yeah, then. I was very poor. <laughs> so everybody, everybody grew up poor. I was very poor when I was growing up. Yes. I did when I would go to school and I had a book, a you know. Yeah, like you your know. uniform. You didn't like, have... Like, like, well, like, what are you, what are you, the boys and girls using mm -hmm. one of the old dress. I just mm -hmm. come and watch that yeah. Yeah. Them. No clothes. Right. So okay. you would have one or two pieces and then you just wash it and yeah. wear it? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Okay. I was very poor. Yeah. That's okay. Did uh, you have a, any other siblings? You had any brothers and sisters? No, just the three. But the mama had it. Uh, me, one, my oldest sister, she died lately. Uh -huh. And I had a crippled sister. She okay. couldn't walk, not talk to her. My dad come up hard in yes. the hard week. Okay. And how long did you stay in Cayman Brack for? Huh? How long did you live in Cayman Ma Brack? Mama, maybe, um, would you mind me telling you? My mother was sick. Mm -hmm. And she had to come to the hospital mm -hmm. to get everything out by having some children. Oh. You know? and, and I said, Mama, I want to go with you. Mm -hmm. Get up now and go to the sea and spend all the money. I said, Mama, I would go mm -hmm. with you, but I ain't got no money. You had, at the time, you couldn't come on the plane. At the time, you couldn't come on the plane, you know, oh. that boat. So I said, Mama, I would go with you, but this hot boy used to go to the sea and send all that money. I said, Mama, I would go. But I got no clothes to go. Mama, get up to the night. Mm-hmm. And wash the bottom, you know, like, mm -hmm. and Mama come, she said, yeah, you'll go with me. And I would okay. come on the boat. So you came on the boat? 
on the wow. boat. At them time, there was no, no there plane wasn't there. No plane. Mm. At them time, there was no plane. There was no plane then? Hard time. Okay. Come apart. My day I come apart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and wow. That is the first trip, the first trip that Mama mm -hmm. came, she come up a little boy. Mm -hmm. And we went down to the shop of sea and mm -hmm. bought the boat. And I met Amman. She said, Lady, <laughs> I love you in my head down, cross my back. Uh -huh. And I met this father. Father, father right. Lionel Solomon, that was Barry Lee Mountain. Okay. Wow. Come up hard, boy. Yes. How old were you then when you came? How old? I can't remember. You can't remember. Yeah, <laughs> okay, that's yeah. okay. That's all right. You're allowed to forget a few things at 90. <laughs> <laughs> that I let you. I love you. Later, I come apart, but thank God. Yes, today, very thankful. I made it. Yeah, and absolutely. I give my heart to God. Yes. And you, know, you will say, but you don't come to church, you know. But how, how are you going to say you were a Christian? Yeah. People say that. Mm. I, and I got this eyes. Yeah. I got, I got this eye. Blind. I'm blind this eye. Okay. You Shot can't light. see in that eye. That's okay. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> so, um, when you moved to, the first time you came to Cayman, do you remember much about that trip? Like, was this like a big city to you compared to Cayman Brack or? Me, my mother, and this little one boy, mm -hmm. he was ruptured too. His mama had to tend to me first, and then, then tend to him, then to, he had to get everything out, you know what I mean? Yes. Out, out, out. Yes, but what, what were your thoughts about Grand Cayman when you first saw it? Did you see cars no, for I the first time, I, or you don't really remember? Huh? Do you remember anything about your first trip? No, I can't. I can't really remember too much about that. Okay. And then after you, you, you said you found a nice young man to get married to? Barry's, Barry's father. Barry's father. Yeah. And he met the mother and Barry's mother's father, Lionel Limbell Solomon. Right. Okay. That's his full name. Yes. And was he a seaman back in the day, or so did he say, go to sea? So he said he was to go to sea. Yes. Okay. And then you would just stay here and take care of the family and the kids. Mm-hmm. Yes. Hmm? All right. No, my mother was sick. I had to go back to her. Came back. When your yeah. mother got sick, you went back to no, Cameron. No, she had everything that she had was wrong. Okay, she got very okay, sick. I fight, the, I fight, thank God, today. Yeah. I fight the battle with my children and myself. Yes, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about um, what your life was like back in those days. You were a young woman. What did you do for work? Did you work or you just stayed Sometimes, home? Sometimes, some Saturdays. Some Saturdays I used to go to people's yard. Mm hmm And some two weeks I used to wash their clothes. Okay. I did wash clothes, you know, bad pan. Yeah, you did domestic work then? Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Mm -hmm. Very good. But it was an honest living. It was hard, but it was an yeah, honest living. Yeah, it's just that, so it's that, so. 
and you did thatch rope. Thatch rope. Did you sell, you sold the thatch rope to other people? Oh, the shops came and back, you should buy them. Okay. But it, um, it, it, it was green. Sometimes it was on the table, it was quiet. Penny up in sugar, penny up in flour, penny up in corn meal. Mm-hmm. I had it hard. Mm-hmm. I had it hard. Yeah. Okay. You had some wonderful children? Yes. How many children did you have in total? I got, I got um, four, four, four from a husband and one from another man. Uh-huh. Okay. I had a heart. Yes. And have you lived here, um, you're here in Georgetown, have you lived in town most of your life or? After I got married to their father. Mm-hmm. This is where you lived? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't remember which part. Yeah. can't remember which part. That's okay. Mm. Yes. All right. So you're 90 today. What are you thinking about when you think, I'm wow, 90, 90 years is a long time. 90. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, 90, 90. 90. 90 years. 90. Yes. And you look good for 90. You, you're feeling good, it looks like. I'm not so much but thank God. God was, God was, was, now was, God is with me. Yes. So strong. I made him a reservation. I got saved. Well, last time I went to Kimon Black, I got saved. But I'm and their friend. Mm -hmm. You made it right with God. Yes. Huh? Yes, ma'am. What a wonderful time. Yes, absolutely. What a wonderful time when we see Jesus. You just got, you just come today. You know? Yeah. Then he popped that cloud up there. Mm -hmm. And you're already, what will we do? Yes. Beautiful. Awesome. Yeah. That's so wonderful. I do. My people say I got a chance. I and I can a fool. No. A fool can't say and do it I can. Yes, of course. You said my my own family says I'm too fool. That no. You said I don't want to talk to you. They mm -hmm. tell you. Maybe there's somebody, some of my family will tell you today, after leaving, mm -hmm. after leaving, because don't you listen to that woman, you fool fool. We're not going to pay them no mind. Because <laughs> I, was, I was getting messages all the way in Kim and Brack that I needed to come and see you today. Huh? People messaged me all the way from Kim and Brack that I should come and see you today for your birthday. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, So you're, you're well known and well respected known. too. I'm happy. Yes. I'm glad God be that. Absolutely. My son here. I, I got my son here. Mm -hmm. Don't know my children. They're maybe the right with God. Mm -hmm. God can come. If God, you don't know when the trumpet gonna blow. Yes. Right. Absolutely. You don't know when the trumpet gonna blow. Yes. Yes. You're yes, blind this eye, you know, but that other one is okay. Yeah. I yeah. Take them but. <laughs> <laughs> You were with my cousin, boy. Yeah. You Marina? I think she, she, she says I remind her of her cousin. She was she <laughs> one of my cousins. One of her cousins. <laughs> Elita, Elita, daughter, Benedana. Yeah. That's okay. So my, my father was a Solomon, too. Uric, Uric Solomon. 
but I'm bad. Yuri? Yeah. But that, that's um, my husband and as I told you, my husband. Uh -huh. Nine, them bad, all my. Yeah. Your, your, your family mate. I think we could be. Yeah. Yes. Because he, he lived not too far from here, right off of Boilers. Boilers Road. Right up the Mr. street. Mm -hmm. If I know him, sure know him. I've been <laughs> been a long time and I've seen him, but Mr. Ulrich. Yeah, he passed away a little while ago now. You're not there? Yeah. Uh-huh. Mr. Mr. Ulrich. Mr. Ulrich is family to my husband, the baron and father. So. Yes. So. All family. <laughs> but, but I fall in love with you. You fall in love with me. <laughs> but I love you, man. Mr. Urick. Yes, ma'am. The part bad I used to say. Uh, well, right off of Hospital Road. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, but I I left and went to the states and then came back home. So. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. He died. What time he died? Died he died, um, oh gosh, let me tell you now. That would have been, oh, it's been a while now because that was 2001. So a little while now. Mm-hmm. Mm yeah, then I can't remember, yeah, but died, but. Yeah. Been a little while. Our body may have it down, I don't know. That's okay. Yeah, so some, tell me about some of the things you used to enjoy doing as a young lady um, growing up in Cayman. I got a You look very, you know, you, you work long a bit. But then big, big, you go so long and it hard to go so in the morning and take mm -hmm. a and you find them on the bay. To pick, to pick Wilkes. Instead of being down the hall, yeah. you know, like, like two o'clock two in the morning. Huh? Early in the morning, like Early two o'clock. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. When I go to school, yes. my dear mother cooked them. Okay. So you used to go and help to get them. And then your your mom would cook them while you were at yeah, school. Yeah, I I love my mother so well that she I wouldn't make her go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I fight with her. I fight about her. Yeah. I fight about her. I raise myself. Yes. My day lady, I raise myself. I don't know what uh -huh. a father's love is. Mm-hmm. I understand. I born the sixth. I born the sixth of this month and mm -hmm. Papa Dad is eighth of no the bit. So your father died during the storm? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh wow. I see. Mm -hmm. So that made it really hard then. Hard and hard. Yeah. Mm. Me and my mother stood up because she, she, she went into the bush and got the tops and top, mm -hmm. you know the top? Mm -hmm. And we stood up all, all night 
And before I go to school, she said, well, I wonder how long you have been walking there because the sugar and flour, penny, penny, this, penny, that, penny, mm -hmm. so the shop came with cheap, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Came with cheap. Yeah. Thank God I made it. Yes, absolutely. Yes, very good. That's beautiful still. Here you are. <laughs> like Looking good at 90 and yeah, so blessed. I like your smile, boy. <laughs> You've got a pretty smile, baby. you got a smile. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. I like to meet friends. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. You don't get out much now, or you still go to church every now and again? No, I don't get. I don't go to church right now. Okay. My daughter goes to church one time. Yes. You know, she wants to go today, but she stayed home with the holiday. Well, I could come down by it. That for your birthday. You Yes. Oh, yes. And I thank God this morning, today. Yes. God has spared my life to see another day. Yes. Yes, you're I so blessed. Yeah. Thank God I got good children. Yes, you got good children. I got good children to stick, be, stick to me. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, that's so wonderful. You, you got tip? I have one. You, you got tip? Uh, yeah, oh, yes, 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 yes. yes. I thought you asked me if I had any children. The bottom line is this thing, this one, isn't it? Yes, ma'am. You know, you, Yes, you are ready for him. And you know that him about you you know that him that I could sing some bit to you. Oh yes. well sing one for me then. What's I your favorite hymn? Jesus <laughs> give me the world. Jesus. Alright? But listen now. I can sing. Oh yes, please. Sing for me. Jesus give me I don't know how old That's okay. Jesus, give me nails across. There's a prayer <coughs> just from them. Free to all. Come on. That <laughs> I'm enjoying it. Yes. Both from God. Red mountain and the cross. <coughs> Beautiful. And the cross. Be my glory ever. Then my rapture soul shall find. West beyond the river, there's a cross, O Lamb of God, with before me, yeah, I reach that golden strand. West beyond the river and the cross and the cross be my cross.
<laughs> That's my uh, That's your favorite one. <laughs> yeah, it's very nice. Thank you for singing that. That was so um, nice. That's uh, my grandmother, my mama's mother. Mm -hmm. That's her favorite one. That was her favorite song, too. And she taught it to me. She taught it to you. Wow. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. And that's how it was in those days. Your mother and their mother just passed on all these lessons to you. Yeah, yes. the, the, the yes. grandmother, two grandmothers, and also my grand, my papa, my daddy. Mm -hmm. I didn't tell you, say daddy. Yeah. Papa. papa. My father. Yeah. My father, father name Isaac Smith. Isaac Smith. Yeah, they passed on too long. Okay. That's very nice. Yeah. Yes. And did you like to cook? Huh? Did you like cooking? Yes, sir. Yes. What's, what sort of food? What was your favorite food to cook? Did you like cooking or baking or a little bit of both? Fish dinner. Fish dinner. Cook and dinner. <laughs> <laughs> cook the dinner. You like to cook the coconut, like the rundown? Now you can. You cook the dinner. Like you grate the coconut. Cook. But now they, it, it's cheese now that you can buy this coconut milk from the. <laughs> yes. So Back in those days, you had to make your own coconut milk. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No, and then, and then, no, and then, then you can go to the coconut milk like that, coconut milk. And you coconut. And you, you, you say, Mama or Papa or whoever standing by me, mm -hmm. chop that up for me. And you dig it out. Mm. Coconut dinner. Coconut dinner. Nice. <laughs> but now it's all this day. Yeah. You can buy some of it in the store now. Huh? Yeah. Did you do any baking? Did you bake heavy cakes? No, I, not, I mean, you're not really into baking. I can't bake. You can't bake. Okay. But then I can make what you call need a flour. Need a flour. Yeah. Um, what you call flour. Yeah. And put it in the pan. Yes. Keep the whole, put, put the, like said, like said it's a frying pan. Uh-huh. And you put the coconut, it's on the fire now, you know. Yeah. And then you put the uh, coconut down mm -hmm. Then you, that the flour in. Yeah. Need nice fritters, yes. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. That's <laughs> well, very nice. Well, you know, you have my cousin, a little boy. I look at your cousin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, they say most Caymanians probably related some kind of way. Yes. You must, you must, you must be related with somebody. Yes. But you know, you know anybody? I don't know, but it could be. It's somebody that, that you favor gave. Mm -hmm. One of my cousins. How far is he been in Scotland? Her father named her father named Benny Scott. He was a Scot from Cape Rock. Be Benny Scott, but he passed on. Yeah, yes. Mm. So mm -hmm. you tell what her, her, her 
I was proud of myself. I passed on too. Yeah. It's a bit of it's, it's, it's possible, you never know. Definitely. Yeah. It's somebody that did, that, that do resemble and came about. And came about. Yeah. Well, that's part of it. You're not going to talk about I don't, I, it's possible, you know, you never know. I don't know anyone, but that doesn't mean might have some family there. I tell you, you got somebody? I got somebody in Cayman Rock. Okay. I'm bombing you, do it. That's supposed to be. Yeah. Well, your family down here, his name was? Um, my mother was Miss Pam. You know Miss Pam? Rocket? She was a Barnes before. So like Charlie Barnes. No, I really didn't know her, but your father. Uh, Raymond Barnes, you didn't know them. <coughs> yeah. So my mom inside I'm family to all the Macfields. But um, somebody that you favor family family came in back by the dog. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And the look. Yes. Yes. So you what, go, you what go did go. you... You go. <laughs> you go. 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 I have to dig into it a little bit. I'll about to take it to, to let it go again. I think that I, I want to go coming back in, but I got to get somebody. Mm-hmm. <coughs> to go it's, with you. Yeah. But my being being sick, you know. Yeah. And, and then uh, mm -hmm. some years ago, <coughs> excuse me, I got mm -hmm. a bad accident and mm -hmm. I, first, I was walking the road and the car picked me up and he said, what's a job is for? I let him throw it mm -hmm. to get my groceries because my little money used to come to the bank. Right. And I was coming back. Mm -hmm. <coughs> I had a heart, but thank God I made it. Yes, ma'am. And I hope, by the grace of God, I'll make it through the public gate. Yes, oh yes. Mm -hmm. So how did you feel today, <coughs> turning 90? <coughs> you woke up this morning. Feel good. You want a little bit of water? Feel good, man. Yes, you felt good. Just mm -hmm. so you made it, made it another year. Mm-hmm. Yes. Did you have a little birthday cake today? Barry, you didn't get her in the cake? A little bit later on, they're going to do something special for you. Special? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He paid for it. <laughs> paid for I, he I heard it on the, mall, on the mall road. There's something going on later. Go to where? I heard it on the mall road, you know? You heard it on the mall road? On the mall road. Go there. <laughs> Tell me. That you going to get some cake later for your birthday? Yeah, that's what I'm <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and my dad got a, I got a blind child on the west way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I forget the place. Um, she can't see that at all. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I would like my somebody tell me down there. You know. So you can go and visit her. <coughs> Not today, but. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me for the Come. Because mm -hmm. my mother learned my little manners. Yeah, she that's taught me. Okay. She said, Quelda. Quelda. Mm-hmm. I respect the people. Yes. Like I talk, you know? I, yes, ma'am. I really don't, don't cough because, you know, I got to Yeah, up. that's okay. I had one little cough, too, that been lingering for a couple months now. Hmm? I said I had, I had a little cough myself, so it's okay. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. But those were some of the lessons that 
Back in those days, you learned to be respectful to people. And yeah, we got to have that mama, that mama raised us very poor. <clears throat> and she mm -hmm. said, Quelly, you must only trust that. She passed away mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago. She said, and read it. <laughs> Boy, yeah, you're struggling. Have mm -hmm. respect for mm -hmm. people and people respect. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. Beautiful. And that takes you a long way in life. That's what they say. Well, that takes you farther than all the money in the world. But you talk to you know something. You talk to the my mouth. Money. I took the word the words out of your mouth. Yes. If you don't got Respect. Yes. For people, if I didn't have Barry, my son, right? Mm -hmm. If I had got, if I had respect for Barry and his wife, yes. I wouldn't come here. Mama, gone, gone, gone on my yard. You're not gonna yeah. manners. That's baby. true. <laughs> yeah, you know? that's true. Black of course. Years. But my, if you could have a pocket full of money, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's the thing that. But if you're not gone manners and behavior. Mm -hmm. You don't go to God. That's true. If I didn't have respect for my son, mm -hmm. have my son there. Mama, you come in my yard. Mm -hmm. You're not gonna manage to me. Go, go, go back. Go back where you come from. Yes. You can say that to me. Of course. I got respect. You say I love Barry the best. Mm -hmm. You say I love Barry the best. That your favorite one? <laughs> no, I love Barry, but it's You love them all. <laughs> yeah, but I got a, 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 a Polish blind daughter. She can't, she yeah. can't come out. She okay. could come out, but yeah, I, I just think that gone about too. You see, <coughs> the one, the one bring her out with the COVID and stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yes. Well, thank you so much for taking a little bit of time from your birthday and spending it with me. And because you know, I, I, by you talking to me now. Mm -hmm. It it it, it makes me feel so much you talk to me too, but you know, you show my points. Mm-hmm. So that's it. Well we appreciate it. I want you come come I want you want you go get come back. You want me to go come on back? Yeah. I'll do that. We 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 call you from Georgetown. No about you 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 meant Jamaica? Jamaica? Uh, I've been there a couple times. The Jamaica call it <coughs> the mountain, mm -hmm. but we call it the bluff. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Yes. The bluff. The bluff and came mm. I've been came a lot of times. No, uh, people been building houses on bluff, you know. That's the best yeah. spot in came Huh? That's the best spot on the brack. Is the you, bluff? You should see that. Some people got some houses. You, you boy, and I got to be but. Well, I really appreciate you today, yes, Quelda. And I, I, you look, you, you fell my cousin. You're coming back, boy. All right. So, lots of your friends and family are gonna see this video when I play this. Is there anything you want to say to them? I know your number one thing is have your heart right with God. 
No, nothing special. But anything else you wanted to say to anybody? Nothing special? No. No, ma'am. Yes. Well, happy birthday today. I'm just saying to you. <laughs> <laughs> You're very blessed. And um, again, I thank you very much for just taking a little yeah. bit of time to speak with me. Yes, ma'am. Thank you very much. All right. Okay. Thank you, my dear. Okay. Hello, I'm Kevin Watler, and this is your CMR Daily Buzz. The fate of DJ Renardo Harris now rests in the hands of Justice Marlene Carter after the court heard closing arguments Friday afternoon. The prosecution's case was the defendant should be found guilty of the two counts of rape that led to the victim having to obtain an abortion, while the defense argument was she wanted it. The allegations date back to an instant on July 14, 2018. Justice Carter noted that she would need some time to consider the submissions and provide a written judgment, and ultimately, she noted that this came down to a question of credibility. She hopes to be able to provide her decision on November 25th. The Public Health Department, Customs and Border Control, and the Mosquito Research and Control Unit says there is no outbreak or community transmission of dengue despite rumors circulating in the community. Recently, a Cuban migrant did test positive for the illness and is receiving the appropriate care, and the Public Health Department has confirmed that the individual contracted the virus prior to arriving in the Cayman Islands. Glass will no longer be accepted at any Department of Environmental Health locations or at the Kamana Bay location. Glass will have to be disposed of instead of crushed for reuse. The public is advised to put glass in regular garbage for collection until further notice. Cayman Youth Parliamentarian Chad Powell Jr. drew attention to the high cost of living and housing crisis in the Cayman Islands when he addressed the UK Youth Parliament and Speaker of the House of Commons Sir Lindsay Howell last week. I've been given much consideration into the question that I've been given, which is, <clears throat> what is the most important issue facing the youth of the Cayman Islands today? And although a lot of things have crossed my mind, I've consulted many peers, mentors, and friends, I've considered the climate issue, but I feel like that's been discussed more than eloquently by my friends today. And I would like to discuss the biggest issue that I've faced come to, which is the housing and cost of living crisis. I love the Cayman Islands, and I intend to live and grow old there one day. But the immensely high cost of living and our disastrous housing crisis has caused many people my age, many people like me, to not only consider, but pretty much have it not even in the back of their mind, not even thinking about it, they are going to move away. We are losing our Caymanians. 
And maybe one day, hopefully not, we may not have any left. Now, often, as under 18, we like to discuss issues like bullying and peer pressure. But as we look to our future, I think that we have more pressing matters. When I ask people my age where they intend to live when they get older, almost everyone says they're going to move away, not even thinking about it. And when I ask them why, I get a lot of the same answers. It's too expensive to live here. I'll never be able to afford a home. I'll never be able to afford groceries. So I'll have to move away. Not that they want to, but they have to. Because if given the choice, they would definitely say, stay in our beautiful islands. Our cost of living is one of the highest in the world, often turning up on not only just the top 10 charts, but the top five, the top three. For the highest cost of living, it's causing so many people, so many people who would in any other country be able to live not only a regular life, but a comfortable life, to be struggling for food. I remember some of my friends saying that they would time what time they go to sleep so that maybe they could skip a meal and then their parents could afford to eat for themselves. This is not something that we should ever have to think about or worry about. And these are young chi children doing this. Children as young as 10 years old, thinking about skipping meals just so their parents can afford to stay alive and keep them with them. Last year, our youth parliament moved a motion called Restriction on High Cost Housing and Im Implementation of a Land and Housing Purchase License for Non-Caymanians. This was an effort to get restriction on the price of houses and the purchase of properties by persons not even residing in the Cayman Islands. The debate went viral, which goes to show that our youth is thinking ahead. Thinking ahead to issues will affect us for a long time, and hopefully not, but maybe the rest of our lives. And to close off, I'm so glad that I can see so many representatives from the overseas territories here. And with all that we have in common, perhaps we can form something new. Powell was in the UK with other youth representatives from British overseas territories who were given the opportunity to address the UK Youth Council Parliament for the first time. More than 200 young people between 11 and 18 years old met in Westminster to participate in the debate sessions. Just days after the conclusion of the Noiseka Under-23 Beach Volleyball Tournament, the Cayman Islands Volleyball Federation is already preparing for the next international competition, which is even bigger than the Under-23 event and will take place over the upcoming long weekend. The Security Center Noiseka Beach Volleyball Tournament starts this Friday and concludes on Sunday. Now for your CMR weather update, it's brought to you by WG Charters. Sunrise at 629, mostly sunny skies are expected when the temperature is at 85 degrees Fahrenheit and humidity is 67% like the forecast calls for, it will feel around the low 90s. Winds northeast at 10 to 20 miles per hour and the sun sets at 548. At nighttime, the temperature falls to the high 70s. Looking forward, hot days, warm nights with the possibility of brief showers. CMR weather updates are brought to you by WG Charters. They offer private boat trips for a great price, so we encourage you to support them. Stormwatch 2022 is brought to you by Home Gas, your propane experts before, during, and after the storm. Subtropical storm Nicole is near the Bahamas and will head for Florida's east coast later this week. Nicole is forecast to turn into a category 1 hurricane before landfall in Florida. Now regardless of where the center makes landfall, just about all of Florida will have some impacts from the storm. Now for some regional and international news. 
Several residents in the northern part of St. Lucia were trapped in their homes and there were reports of land slippage as heavy rainfall on Sunday resulted in flooding. Some people have reported that the flooding was up to their neck. 35 people were killed in Jamaica last week, bringing the country's murder tally since the start of this year to 1,329 as of November 5th. Last week was one of the bloodiest weeks in the country since the start of the year, according to the Jamaica Gleaner. There has been an 8% increase in the number of murders so far in 2022 compared to the corresponding period last year, 98 more than the 1,231 recorded for the same period in 2021. Trinidad's National Security Minister Fitzgerald Hines says the Rose Hill RC Primary School in the capital will reopen on Wednesday, one week after a video began circulating on social media showing school children and the teacher hiding in a classroom amid the sound of nearby gunfire. Following the incident, teachers and students paused physical classes at the school, instead reverting to virtual classes, and the Education Ministry said the staff and students were also receiving counseling. That's it for now on A Daily Buzz. Thank you for joining me. Please stay safe and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the cold hard truth on bobo 89.1 fm cayman's number one talk show is live weekdays from 7 30 a.m never miss an episode again watch anytime on cmr's facebook and youtube channels for the latest show episodes don't forget to follow us online on our social media channels and visit caymanmarlroad.com for all the latest news and community happenings 